0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on October the 17th, 2017. I am your host, gaming psychologist, and with me as always, medication seeking.
1: <laughs> Caffeine rage. Turns out I need more than just my brew.
0: I need a different type. <laughs> On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played this week. Loot boxes aren't gambling, claims game rating boards. DICE responds to Star Wars Battlefront II's lootbox fiasco. Humble Bundle is to be acquired by IGN. We're going to talk about how games use matchmaking to sell content. A GameStop ad rubs pre-orders in our faces. Doom is coming to the Nintendo Switch. EA closes Dead Space's developer, Visceral Games. We'll have our weekly community corner with a couple of community-submitted questions. And we'll have our Steam Weekly Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. I would say, how are you, Rage? But uh, <laughs> we're with- now talking about loot boxes for the third week in a row. I think people are smart enough to figure out...
1: Um, uh- Shouldn't you tell them uh, what I uh, messaged you all Wednesday afternoon when uh, this uh,
0: uh, topic uh, uh, came up again in the news? It was very angry and sweary. (laughs) Didn't you message me while I was at work? Uh, I think I was doing paperwork or something, and you (laughs) sent me... Yeah, This I, chat message out of nowhere, and I was like, what?
1: What happened? <laughs> and you didn't even have to click on the link. You just see the uh, URL, and you could see why I was not happy, especially since it was immediately following the ESRB being the only road out that is somewhat pleasant for the gaming industry, at least in my eyes. Oh, I was not happy. <laughs> and Yep. Uh, and gaming news has continued to go downhill from there. It, it, do we have a single happy news article outside of uh one?
0: No. And nope. and that
1: and that one is just a port.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't really consider it happy. I would consider that one more neutral to Huh, that's neat. It's it's the one
1: shining it's not even shining. It's the one non-turd thing in this episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna start out swell with games we played. We're gonna plummet to the depths of anger and despair, and then we're gonna rise back up for for a couple of community submitted questions and our discovery queue. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Although I think this is gonna be a good episode. Yeah, it's like uh,
1: standing at a. Uh, pit of uh, just raw sewage, diving in, going through it, and then uh, uh, showering off with uh, fewer questions at the end. (laughs) Why you would dive in in the first place? Well, turns out that, you know, you're being forced in by the
0: gaming industry, and there's a loot box in it for you. Indeed. Also, before we, like, dive off the deep end and they leave forever, I'd like to welcome our new (laughs) listeners to the show. I just waved. Ed, Ed, goodbye. I I I did a visual gag, guys. I waved. (laughs) <laughs> um, so this past week, Facebook was running a special, like they would match your, your ad money up to a certain point. So we got 50 bucks worth of ads run on Facebook. And I've been saying like, we should do stuff like this for a while. And, uh, so I, I was just doing a little test. Um, and we got like 3,000 impressions with like over a hundred hits and I've got to go through and really dig through like the demographic spreadsheet so that I can be a little bit more targeted next time. And I'm also going to try like the uh, Google ads and there's a few other ad services out there just to okay. see like if there, if it makes a difference, but okay, we, do we you have, have
1: anyone coming from Norway. That's my big question. I don't think so.
0: I don't know. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't dug through all the analytics yet, but a callback. Yes. But anyways, uh, we have one new subscriber on uh, Podbean, and then we, there's been a spike in our downloads just off of our SS feed. I assume that those are from iTunes listeners or maybe maybe Google Play um, or stuff Yeah, it's always those hard are, like, to the tell other just big
1: ones. traffic source on those.
0: Yeah, and Podbean actually shows you, like, you can go, and go through, like, a detailed line-by-line search of what's hitting your feed, but that's a mess, and I didn't have time to do that. Today, so, but yeah, we've, I've seen a, a a bit of a spike in some of our more, I would say prominent episodes, like ones that have easily recognizable, like game titles as part of our title and game or, and the game club ones. So welcome new listeners. Um, I hope you enjoy the show.
1: Yeah. Uh, assuming that we haven't put you off already.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, they stuck around, so. I I think, I mean, once I really dig into the analytics I think it was money that was pretty well spent um, doing a little bit more targeting in the future to get more bang for our buck would be useful, but basically I was just like, okay, 18 plus, go. Because obviously we swear, so this is an adult show.
1: What the fuck are you talking about?
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, so once again, hello listeners, welcome to the show, I hope you enjoy it. But you shouldn't Um, say it's adults only because, you know, uh, that would uh, mean that we're not allowed in big box stores. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm not a, well, aside from my physical size, I'm not a big box kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fat joke. Oh, have you know, I lost three more pounds this month. So, I mean, three pounds off of a fuck ton is still a fuck ton, but still, I'm getting there. Pretty soon my doctor will be happy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, just wondering do you have some sort of exchange going on where you see your doctor and then
0: uh, uh, he sees you for the therapy for seeing you you actually can do that that's legally allowed to trade services as long as the services can be considered equal value well
1: so, uh, okay so it's not out of a loot box
0: no it's not out of a loot box okay <laughs> or, or, let's... Or, or is it because the, hmm now I have to think about that one. Well, while you think, let's go talk about the games that we played this week.
1: Okay. Oh, oh you want me to uh go first. But that that requires me to think and talk.
0: I mean, I can go first <laughs> if you want me to. Uh, no, I could go first.
1: So, I uh, I dove back into Warframe this week. It had its probably its biggest uh, update or if it's, it's not its biggest update, it's one of its biggest where they're essentially trying to compete with a Destiny, and adding an open world area and a lot of, I would say mid game to late game stuff, and I'm really of two minds about this update. I do like that they added something that is pretty different, and they also added some crafting stuff. They added, uh, they added uh our two big triggers. They added fishing and they added bonding, and I should say direct bonding. Fishing for me, mining for you. Uh so yeah, it's a lot more like an MMO these days. <laughs> but it also it's I think my biggest problem with this update is that it doesn't feel like it belongs in the game. I, I shouldn't say lore wise or anything else. I'm talking about mechanics wise. The fact that it doesn't have a proper in game mini map for one. You hit the uh, mini map button for this and it covers your damn screen. And it is just unusable. It's too big to even fit all on my screen. So I'm having to uh, move around to so the map rotates to figure out where the hell I am. Granted, there's a, a lot of places to be able to get lost in. And there's this giant tower that's uh, coming out of the middle of town that you, know, you could use to navigate with. But it is... It's one of those things that it definitely feels like it's tacked on. And that that it just doesn't fit mechanically. Okay. That said, overall, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't. In that everything is pretty much confined to this one area, all the... Stuff that you do in this area is, for the most part, confined to progression in uh, that one town. So, uh, uh, if you've never played Warframe, Warframe is grind the third-person shooter, which I know can be Destiny as well, but I don't play Destiny, so... But uh, in order to progress, you have to level up different Warframes, which are essentially different classes. You have to uh, unlock more of the map by doing missions and that sort of thing. And because everything is confined in this one area, it's this secondary progression system that feels like it doesn't really belong all that well in the game. And that's why it feels a little off-putting and a little bit foreign going into it. Is that, yes, technically it does impact the rest of the game in that you're able to get experience or affinity or whatever you want to call it and level up your stuff there and it gives you new stuff to level up which increases your overall player rank which allows you to do more stuff eventually but it also it's taking your time away from expanding out into more of the solar system which is where you unlock more powerful stuff and be able to do more powerful missions. And it's just a weird, weird thing whenever you have those two parallel progression systems that don't interact all that well. Any questions so far?
0: Can you repeat your lessons? you cut out for a second? (laughs) I assume because of Skype.
1: (laughs) Uh, I was saying that the uh, two uh, progression systems are pretty much parallel, and outside of a couple things, they don't really interact all that well, and they don't it doesn't
0: feel right. Okay. I don't I don't have any questions, but that does sound an awful lot like most other free-to-play MMO-type games. I mean, Warframe is not a classic MMO-style game, but ultimately it is. Um, and they're well, adding more of that the open-world elements and stuff. If they keep
1: adding these open-world elements, I would say that it would be a kind of a weird hybrid of a traditional MMO of having the wide-open zones. And have uh, the uh, dungeons be a secondary progression system to unlock the next zone. It's so weird. <laughs> that said, there. Uh, well, the other thing that is kind of off-putting uh, to, in this update for me is the day-night cycle. The game okay. has, uh, well, the game has on Earth. Uh, you're taking uh, this takes place in the origin system, or Earth uh, uh, system. The Earth has its built-in day-night cycle for all the dungeons in it, and the different dungeons have different things that goes on, depending on if it's day or night in different uh, wildlife, and this is a very niche uh, and kind of a sad thing that happens. But the uh, Plains of uh, Elysian? Elysian? Whatever. uh, The Plains. Has a separated... Day-night cycle, (laughs) alright? Okay. That is about half that of the rest of the game's day-night cycle for Earth. That's weird to begin with. Second of all, whenever it's the daytime, it's a mid-to-high level area... Uh, The further out you go into the plains, the more high level stuff uh, goes on. And also, depending on the mission that you trigger in town to go out, assuming that you're not going free roam overall, it gets higher level uh, to the point where you're hitting about uh, the level 30, level 35 stuff, which is the maximum player level before things start to get a little crazy. At night, it's extreme high end stuff. And there's a cycle of, I think it's an hour and a half, or an hour uh, 20, something like that, daytime, and then 50 minutes nighttime. If you ever played EverQuest, and here's a throwback reference for you, it reminds me a lot of Kill Forest, in that it's a low-level zone during the day, but at nighttime, it will fuck you up. And it requires not only high level stuff, but also completion of high level quests in order to be able to kill anything there. And it, once again, it's just kind of off putting, especially since I'm in that weird kind of middle part where I have most of the in game stuff unlocked, but not all of it enough to be able to be able to do the night stuff. So it's one of those things that, okay, well, I'll check to see if it's daytime there to be able to play. Oh, it's nighttime. Well, fuck.
0: It's just weird. Right. This, so I I haven't played, but. Yeah, this somebody was supposed to play Monday. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, This game looks a lot like Firefall or well, like this update, I should say, looks a lot like Firefall. Yeah, which I never got to play. Yeah, Firefall got canceled in July of this year, but um, essentially, I mean, it really was. It was you had the big open world map, and there are actually several big open world maps for yeah. Well, this is the first for the various, which
1: which I would be surprised that they didn't do that. They don't have plans for more because yeah, it's been well received for the most part. Yes, there is criticism, obviously, and yes, it is buggy as hell. But that's Warframe for you, and technically, this is in beta still. So right, And, and, and I should say actual beta, not EA beta.
0: Yeah, Firefall had that, though, where they had these big open-world maps for, like, the different planets or different regions. But all of the missions, like, the main missions, took you off to somewhere that was much smaller, much more linear. Um, they did that. And they had mining and fishing and crafting and et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, Firefall way outspent itself on marketing. I think, ultimately, that's why that game went belly up, because they spent so much damn money on marketing. And they just didn't make enough to recoup it.
1: Was that the one that I saw that uh, they were having trailers at E3? I mean, not trailers as in, you know, video game footage, but actual physical trailers for people to play?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they also, like, built, like, giant booths, and they I think they had a statue at 2015 or 2016's E3, like, a really big statue and a banner, and it was crazy how much money they spent on marketing. But they just never could make enough money to bring it back because, you know, it's free to play, um, and so it just eventually ran out of money and died. But it was it was a really good, solid game. I wish I would have played it more. Yeah, but, I just didn't I mean get that's to what myself. That's what this reminds me of um, this update. And I mean, you know, I'm not saying that they stole any of it or anything, but it just has a lot of that that same look, maybe feel to it. I don't know. I'll, I'll be sure to play it this week.
1: Yeah, well, hit me up when you got to play it. Uh, we can go together. We can make a date of it. Yay. So, how about things I uh, kind of like about it? Uh, I do like the fishing, and I do like the mining aspects of it. Granted, it is very grindy, but you know, that's Warframe for you. It's If it was any more grindy, it, you would uh, get coffee out of it.
0: It can't be any grindier than Eve's mining system. Okay, okay. Well, let me explain to you how mining works in this game. Okay, first you
1: first you have to get the handheld mining laser. And to get the handheld mining laser, you have to go to a bounty or two, depending on the level that you do. Or just go out into the uh, open world and do some random incursion missions that pop up occasionally, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And you get the handheld layer, uh, uh, mining laser, or at least the first one. There are higher level ones, I believe. Then you go out and you equip it. Uh, in your Warframe uh, equipment slots, which thankfully you can do in town. You don't have to go back to your ship to be able to do that. And then you just go around and wait for it to beep. Now, problem with uh, both the mining and the fishing, but more importantly the mining, is that it relies a lot on audio cues. Now, I'm not a person that thinks a lot about accessibility to disabilities, you know? Or to disabled
0: uh, players, right, right. Why would you? I mean, it's not like you're disabled in any way or anything.
1: Well, well, I w- well I wasn't making a joke there, but I, oh. I, I don't, I don't give that much consideration. All right, okay. But I noticed that I was having a hard time with this. First of all, because whenever I'm grinding for resources, I like to do this little thing called listening to podcasts. Yep can't do that when I'm going mining there's no visual cue outside of the fact that yes there is a mining node near you but that's it in order to hone in on it well think of it as a Geiger counter it starts beeping faster and louder uh, the closer that you get to it and the the more that you're looking at the node so let's say there's a mining node close enough to you that's triggering on the UI that there's one near you You sweep your camera around until it starts beeping at you. Then you walk and you sweep again to kind of hone in on it. Well, the problem with this is that if you're listening to music or listening to podcasts, that you're not going to hear those damn beeps. So you have to stop your music and then uh, find out where the damn mining node is. Then uh, you uh, laser the hell out of it (laughs) uh, to get the resources and then you're back on your merry way. And also... The mining is only active whenever you're physically holding the mining laser, which is a little irritating because uh, uh, all the, um, uh, well, to be fair, most of the mining, it's uh, very easy to figure out at least a good concentration of the stuff because, you know, uh, know, just go near a bunch of boulders, equip the mining laser for a moment, nothing uh, pops up, fine, go uh, about your merry way, but it also leaves you vulnerable while you do that. And if any enemies trigger on you, uh, or aggro on you, and start shooting at you, well, good luck hearing the damn beeps.
0: Right. This is pretty similar to Mass Effect Andromeda's mining system, except instead of having to actively mine things, you just drop like a mining drone, and then it gathers resources for you. Well, once you
1: hone in and get close enough to it, uh, uh, well, to be fair, if you have a sharp eye or no... You know where to look on particular spots because I imagine that these are fixed uh, spawn locations. Uh, you could spot you know the little dot on the uh, rock and oh there's the mining node without having to even equip the mining laser but it's very faint. And then once you uh, hone in you just uh, equip it uh, zoom in, uh, right mouse click and it gives you a white line to uh, trace around to uh, essentially uh, carve out the mining node and that's it. You get your resources. The fishing, uh, it has sort of the same problem with the audio cues. But to be fair, you're not running around all over the place. You're sitting on a rock in the middle of a pond, watching the water. So, you know, that eliminates a lot of the problem of coming across the grenier, you know, the enemies of the game, or at least the enemies of this particular area, and them starting to shoot at you while you're trying to listen for a damn beep. Well, for one, the fishing in this game isn't your traditional fishing. It's spear fishing.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: It's a lot more active than you would think.
0: You equip your fishing spear,
1: you right click, and it brings most of the game audio down and you start listening for splashes. And that's when the uh, fish spawn. And you're able to kind of hone in on them. But depending on the area that you're in, you could just look around and see the fish. So that's something that you can do while listening to podcasts, listening to your music, chatting with your friends. It's not as big a deal, but if you have a fish that is stuck under the rock or is just behind you, you may not realize that it's there. And I'm not sure if there's a a thing going on where if more than one fish spawns at a time, it starts to... Or I know more than one fish could spawn at a time, but I'm not sure if there's some sort of a multiplier where... You know, it's less likely to have two or three fish at a po- at a time. I do know that once you use the spear, it yeah, uh, you know, kind of scares everything off because you know you're throwing a giant spear into the water and uh, uh, you know harpooning a fish, literally. But the fish are used in uh, uh, with uh, all the uh, stuff in town, and that's something else is that all the resources from this area are pretty much self-contained to the progression in this one area and that's something that kind of also ties into my point before of a parallel progression system and it honestly feels sort of like a new player trap of yes you spent 50 hours farming up this rep and uh, doing all this stuff but once you leave the area it's completely non consequential and that's my big uh, complaint about it. Right. Okay. Hmm. You have no idea what uh, to say, do you?
0: No, I mean, it's just... I mean, it... Use your words. I, it needs work. It needs work, it sounds like. It needs some tweaking. It needs some, it needs some tweaking. It,
1: the, I, I imagine that this is the first iteration of it, and next time that they do something like this, because I would think that they would be crazy not to do another version of this. It would be a lot more tied into the overall game. That said, I do like well, for the most part uh, the new system of missions that they have, because they have some tweaks of some old ones, they have some new ones out. Uh, They have well, uh, in the base game, Every node is a different type of mission. And in order to progress, you have to do at least some of the missions to unlock a chain to get to the relay to get to the next planet. You don't have to do all the missions on the planet. But if you do, you unlock uh, the mining for that planet and you can send a, a, your, your mining drone to go get resources. So you, know, you are encouraged to eventually do all the missions on that planet and uh, experience the different types. And this... You have a chain of bounties, and uh, the bounties are in a tier system. Uh, I want to say it's 10 to 20, or 15 to 20, then 20 to 30, and, you know, every tier has better rewards. And each tier is a uh, chain of, I think it's three, maybe four uh, different missions. And they have an overall theme, like... Uh, one uh, chain will be you trying to draw out an enemy commander to be able to capture him. So you'll go uh, slaughter an enemy camp, then you may uh, disrupt resources and that sort of thing. And that is really interesting. And also, if you're out in free roam mode and not on a particular bounty, every so often, these, what they call incursions spot up, where uh, if you go to a particular part of the map, it starts a a localized mission and these are also various different mission types you may be capturing a crash spy drone and have to escort it to an extraction point you may be uh, catching a prisoner being transferred between camps and you need to uh, kill his guards and then defuse uh, the explosive collar that's around his neck before he dies and then escort him out and uh, it's a Nice change of pace from the rather mundane missions that they've had before. I should say the kind of played out missions, because there's only so many times that you could do the each of the mission types before they start to get a little stale.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a good variety compared to what was in before. Yeah, let's see. There's the spa
1: drone, which I have to admit is a bit annoying, because it's essentially an escort mission, and the uh, escort, you know, just continues on. Granted, they are usually pretty short. Uh, There's the, uh, just the slaughter the camp, which is, you know, pretty straightforward, but usually the camps are varied enough that, you know, it doesn't feel samey. There's a armored vault that you have to crack into, which is your old defensive mission, but once again, Maybe it's just the change of scenery that's uh, such a big deal, to be perfectly honest. Which, the scenery is very gorgeous. And I will say that it runs really well. In town, uh, the FPS is just uh, abysmal, but that doesn't matter too much. Because, you know, there's nothing that really happens in town outside of just picking up missions or hitting vendors. But also, you know, there's just so many people there. Even on some of the empty servers, you'll still see 20, 30 people there. And all the Warframes are highly detailed, so you see you know, just your FPS
0: drop because there's a lot
1: of... There's a lot of polygons on screen.
0: The best polygons. It's The, the highest best quality frames. Pa-
1: uh, it's the highest quality pixels.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Overall, uh,
1: I am enjoying my dive back into Warframe. Uh, yes, it is flawed, and yes, it is grindy, But, yeah... I'm a space ninja spearing uh, various ugly fish. And uh, it's been a while since I've been fishing on an MMO. And it's been a long time since I've been spearfishing. I think maybe that's the big thing. Yes, it is an old uh, hat thing. But it's something different. Oh, right. And I will say that they have kind of blocked off some of the older stuff as well. It, that you have to go through one other thing faction which i haven't unlocked yet uh do you remember the focus system uh from when we played before i'm not sure the if you f- unlocked that or not i it, don't it, think it so, was your, i never it, it really was played your, the story yeah it was your there was an overall power system that you unlocked eventually yeah that wasn't tied to the warframes but uh for story purposes it was uh, tied to something else And uh, they, that's the one thing, that's the one thing of consequence that requires higher level players to be working on this is to unlock some of the higher level powers. You have to go ground this faction, or I should say a secondary faction that's in this town. And that's why you see a lot of high people, high level players there. Otherwise, I don't think they would bother. And that's, uh, that's the one point of non parallel. (laughs) Uh, and there is something else that I haven't done yet, is that they added weapon crafting as well. Be able to uh, mix and match various parts to have custom weapons. I haven't done that yet, and it seems like unless I'm missing something, it's limited to melee weapons, which is a bit of a shame. I would have preferred to, to have it both melee and firearms. But eh, be, a lot of this feels like it's version one of a lot of different systems, And that they're testing it out for a better release and possibly a revamp down the line. Which I don't have that big a problem with. I mean, at least they're not calling it a beta. Oh, wait.
0: Well, I mean, it makes sense that they would do that. (laughs) I mean, this is a... Yeah, this is actual beta. Yeah, and it's also like, I mean, this is not like a completely different direction from the game. But it's a pretty big departure. So I'd say they're just like, we have all these ideas, but we have no experience with it. Let's just throw it all up and see how it goes. And, I mean, the Warframe community is huge with quite a few... Yeah, Warframe uh,
1: actually hit a new concurrent total, I believe, of a quarter million. And right now, they're sitting just shy of 100,000 uh, peak today. I mean, that's not bad. That, that Well, let's put it th- this way. It's number four right now on players
0: uh, on Steam. Not too shabby. Let's see.
1: It's behind player Nun's battlegrounds, which is just stupid, ridiculous. Uh, but a lot of that is being driven out of China. That and no, I'm not uh, pulling a Trump saying that it's a Chinese conspiracy. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot of Asian growth on that one. Uh, then Dota 2, Counter Strike, the Warframe. I mean, that's some heavy hitters. It's just above it. Team Fortress 2, which. It's likely I'll be playing next week because Team Fortress Two has their update.
0: When did this update drop?
1: It dropped this uh it dropped uh Thursday. Uh, Friday, Thursday. I mean Let's if you go it's... to if you go to their store page and look at the histograph, uh there's a spike.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Um I the mean 15th. they have a huge amount of players anyways, like I mean they're concurrent. You know, like, total players, I should say, that are mm-hmm. playing have been playing the last two weeks. But then you look at last Thursday, and it jumps up. And yesterday, they had 1.2 million players
2: oh, playing, see, I, like,
0: for the whole day. Uh-oh. Oh, I was about to say, I didn't see that number, but... No, that, that wasn't the concurrent. That's just, like, unique players. And they had a, oh, 1.2 million yesterday, so... I mean, it's a very healthy game. <laughs> yeah. I mean the number uh, for unique daily players hovers in you know several hundred thousand, anyways. But there's a big jump when the update comes out, and it's it it's risen day after day. And yesterday, one point two million. So that's pretty cool. It looks like it's got about twenty million installs.
1: Yeah, there is about.
0: I mean, it is free to play, so yeah, you know that I. Uh, but even for free to play games, like that's pretty astronomical. A lot of free free to play games are happy to get like fifty thousand players, you know. Uh, d- to do we take lawbreaker
1: Squads down? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No time. No time. Um cool. Yeah, I'll be sure to check that out this week. Maybe tomorrow night after I finish editing the podcast, if I'm not too tired, we can play. Um my i for, i totally forgot my in-laws are going to be here this weekend whoops so there won't i'm going to say this now and then I'll post a tweet about it later there won't be any streams on friday but after like they go to bed friday night maybe you and i could play it too oh my. so sticking around after the in-laws uh, I gotta go to sleep
1: yeah let's put it this oh, way yeah. uh, before the patch they were at 45,000 uh, just shy of 46 then within a, about three, four days, they jump up to one hundred twenty-one thousand, and even right now they're still nearly double what they had pre-patch. I mean that's not bad, and that's a uh, concurrent or that's a uh, just the uh, players at the time. That's not you know over the course of a day. Yeah, Warframes we have one of those games that. It's kind of that sleeper hit that pops up every so often because it didn't do too well when it originally launched, but it's completely reinvented itself. It's really amazing. Well, I mean, it did okay when it launched. It, it wasn't like it, it, a wasn't, flop. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't a flop. It was kind of meh, and they've... I, I can't really... I guess you really can't say
0: turn around, but they uh, did all the right choices, it seems. Well, I mean, they they listen to their audience a lot in the early days, and then they've just kind of, I guess, got a formula that, that works, and they just keep doing it. I
1: mean, how if you go back to Total Biscuit's video for Warframe, the original one is WTF is. Remember when Total Biscuit did WTF is? He still does one every once in a <laughs> I while. Know, I know.
0: I'm I'm picking on him. That was that was before the cancer, right? Uh, um, well, uh, he still had YouTube comments on. Touche. <laughs> hey, he makes that joke himself. He does. He does. You have spent like 30 minutes talking about Warframe, sir. Would you like to talk about something else? Are
1: you telling me to shut the fuck up?
0: <laughs> we've got a lot of topics to chew through tonight. Even if we cut out some of the smaller ones, we've got a lot of topics to, to get through tonight.
1: Okay, fine. Shutting the fuck up. Or at least about Warframe. Let's go to the Inner World Last Wind Monk. This was the Sunday Sample Alert for the week, and I... But once again, I'm kind of conflicted on this. Yes, I like the game, but I also had some problems with it. But this seems to be kind of uh, how I've run with things. Because I, I always have the uh, view of if you have nothing to complain about, you haven't tried hard enough.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: The Inner World The Last Wind Monk, which we'll just call it The Last Wind Monk because this is the second game of this series... Is a point-and-click adventure, and it, I haven't played the first one. This was a review copy, of course, because, you know, Sunday's tank, it's pretty much always a review copy, except for that one time it's not. It's sort of like Lupus.
0: <laughs> well, that was an odd house reference. <laughs> hey, come on, I'm like, fat house. You're angry and you have a cane, you're right. <laughs> I apologize, carry on. <laughs>
1: Uh, but the last Wim Monk—it's the second game in the series, and it does a good job of catching up for the most part. It does—it it introduced two of the three characters pretty well, but the third one it doesn't introduce at all. Uh, I should say playable characters—you bounce between all three of them. Uh, after about chapter two or three, and the third one I had no idea who she was, which is a little bit of a you know, head scratcher, to be perfectly honest, uh, especially when they really push on the Steam store page that, yes, you uh, can play this. You don't need to play the uh, first game to understand what's going on. Well, kind of disagree with that one, even though the main story is pretty much uh, given out there and, you know, what uh, is at stake. And that also my big problem with the game is just how dialogue focused it is. Well, that's going to sound like a weird uh, statement, huh? It's yes. a very character-driven point click adventure. And there was at least twice that I was kind of stuck on what to do. And in order to figure it out, or in, I should say, in order to unlock what I pretty much had figured out, I had to go back a couple screens and talk to someone that I had already talked to. About an option that had popped up. And that was a little bit frustrating. And there's a lot of dialogue in this game. I mean, it it gets its talk on. It gets its talk on more than I get my talk on. Okay. Not that that's a bad thing. If you're going to this, expecting a lot of story, a lot of characters, a lot of... uh, Actually, fairly good uh, voice acting. I'm not a big fan of the main character. He's... Or I should say the primary main character. He's kind of a wimp. He uh, has uh, kind of the lack of a spawn. But that's yeah, backstory. It, it's understandable. But it's a little bit annoying after a while. Then it's a, a good one to jump into. I would say probably best to play the first game though to uh, really get a feel for what's going on. Uh, it's a be i would put it as a comedic um a uh, uh, more comedic store uh, side of thing it's very surreal you're probably looking at the screenshots now aren't you
0: yeah i am i'm looking it, at it.
1: it's not a bad looking game is it no ha- yeah yeah it has a good hand-drawn art style uh, and you can definitely see what i mean by surreal huh <laughs> yeah i like it though yeah it's not bad. But like I said, it's just I had problems with... Well, it's not even problems. It's just... It's one of those things that it's kind of not for me because of just how dialogue focused it is. I mean, it gets its talk on and then it gets its talk on and then it talks some more. And they also use that in uh, the opening puzzle for the second chapter. That you had to go through the dialogue several times in order to complete the puzzle. And that was very annoying and hopefully they don't do it again they hadn't up until that point but i hadn't played too much further to that i only got to the third chapter when i did my video but overall not bad i trying to think of anything else i did like the help system it's a uh, very comprehensive and it's not one of those that just is a what I would just call a walkthrough. It's a hint system that eventually evolves into a walkthrough as you click through it. So uh, the help may say, "Well, have you tried to, uh, talking to the people?" "Well, have you tried talking to this person?" "Ask this person about this." "This person will uh, help you if you have this item." You know that sort of thing, right? It just it slowly uh, ratchets up the help. It's enough to nudge you in the right direction if you uh, are completely stuck, but if it's not enough, then it will eventually just give you the flat-out answer. And for some of the things, it's definitely helpful. For uh, In the second chapter, there's a logic puzzle, which I'll be perfectly honest. I, I was a little too sleepy to be able to really bother with. So I just went through the help system to see you know, what was going on with it. Because it required going through the uh, dialogue to be able to uh, get the logic... Uh, uh, hands, and then going to this poster on the wall to be able to figure it out. And I just didn't want to mess with it. But overall, uh, not bad. Does the help system
0: punish you at all?
1: Uh, no, as far as I okay. can tell. The only thing it does is it officially gives you achievement if you use it too often.
0: Okay. That's that's fair. I hate when games do that, like that, that progressive help system, but mm-hmm. it in some way punishes you, or, or limits you how much you can use it. Yeah, Yeah, Puzzle Agent had it where
1: it was a progressive help system, but you had to spend uh, the chewed gum uh, to be able to use it. So you had to find the gum, and if you used it too much, then you're stuck. This, it, uh, As far as I could tell, which I purposely used it a lot once I figured out an area just to see if it did punish you, I didn't find any punishments. So it has that going for it. Which is nice. Uh, Trying to think of anything else. I I have no idea uh, overall uh, price or because I think even now it's still not out. It's not coming out till the end of the week. Uh, I would ballpark it at probably the four to six hour range, depending on how much you use the help system. And some of the help or some of the uh, situations in it, it does require you to go back several screens, which Once you figure that out, I think uh, the game moves a lot faster. But until then, you're a little bit puzzled by it. But maybe that's the entire point. I mean, it is a point and click. Oh, and I should say... uh, It doesn't really have... Well, have you ever heard the term moon logic? Yeah. Okay, I didn't really find a lot of what I would classify as moon logic in this. It feels like it would make sense, at least in the game world. There's uh, probably the most moon logically thing in it is there's I don't want to give away the puzzle in case somebody plays it uh, or at least the solution but there's a a dark game that you have to win eventually and it's a multi-stage solution to it and it makes sense and in any other game I think it would be a lot more convoluted but in this, it, like I said, it makes sense. It doesn't feel like it's just out of uh, left field. So I think it has that going for it. It's not completely crazy, even though it is a very surreal world. <laughs> so that's the inner world, the last wind monk, which in my mind, I keep calling it the last airbender. <laughs> nice. So, uh, our transition game. Indeed, our transition game. Yes, we both played a little bit of Rocket League on Friday. And Rocket League is just one of those games that it's a lot of fun to pick up with a group of friends that are about the same level of suckiness. (laughs) Uh, I think that's fair for our group of friends.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're all... Yeah. We're, We're pretty evenly... Like I mean, there is a continuum. Like some of us are better than others, but there we're all everyone's got a counterpart. So as long as we don't like go too random and just get like one team stacked against the other one. Yeah,
1: but that's when the bot comes in and just ruins things.
0: <laughs> that's true. The bot came and saved the day. When before we got two full teams and we had a bot like uh, filling up the last team slot, he was winning the game every time for that team. And then when we turned the bot down because he was too good, he was winning the game every time for the other team.
1: <laughs> Which was just hilarious. There, there was one time that the bot just dove the ball into its own goal. Get ball. What
0: ball. <laughs> You're doing it wrong, though, bot. Doing it wrong. It's, I mean, everything we've ever said about Rocket League before is still there. It's a great game. Yeah, it has fun. started
1: its Halloween uh, event, though. Uh, just after our Friday Night Friend Zone. And that's interesting. Uh, have you checked it out?
0: No, I haven't yet.
1: Okay, well, uh, I I just loaded it up to see what they're doing. Uh, and they have candy corn. But But for once, you actually want candy corn. But
0: I always want candy corn. I like candy corn.
1: And that just confirms that you're a weirdo.
0: That's what confirms that I'm a weirdo for you?
1: Okay, I should say the latest on the list. That's better. But after uh, finishing a uh, online game, you get candy corn, and it's the currency to buy various cosmetics or get the Halloween crate. And they also have it where they have key decrypt or, uh, or uh, yeah, it's uh, called a decryptor, which is essentially a freebie key that you could unlock, but you could only get three in the event. Yeah, because that's that is their monetization. <laughs> Right. But uh, it's it, they have a lot of uh, cosmetics uh, out there. Some really interesting ones. Everything from goal explosions to uh, various banners. Goal explosions is whatever you knock the ball into the goal, it goes boom. Uh, for those who haven't played Rocket League, banners is a new thing where it's your player tag. There's a background on it now. And that's customizable. They have Car trails that you could uh, customize. All sorts of fun stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, my car is still just pink and bright blue. And it's got a rainbow now. I did have a tiara, but now I've got a rainbow. Yeah, you are no longer the pretty, pretty princess. I'm still fabulous, though. Yeah, well, now you just taste of Skittles. Skittles are delicious, so I'm fine with that. You just want to
1: be careful not to lose your rainbow. Otherwise, you trigger everybody online. Or did you ever see that <laughs> news
0: story? I don't remember, but I've seen so many bad uh, and ga- terrible news stories. Uh,
1: gay pride month, uh, they made all their rainbows white with the uh, for the purpose of it, we're giving up our rainbow to uh, let you have it, you know, uh, for a gay pride. And everybody was taking it as white pride because they made all their skittles white, or I should say, the crazy people. I see. So, never take off this, uh, the rainbow now.
0: That's fine. I don't want to take it off. I'm <laughs> well, all about rainbows. Well, well
1: there's a first. Don't want
0: to take it off. It's a rainbow. It's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, we we need to... Next time we play, we need to check out the newest mode that they've added, like the volleyball type mode. I'm not a fan of playing that with you. You're actually somewhat decent at aerials. Yep. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm not the best... Of our friends that play Rocket League, but I'm probably the second best. Phil is definitely the best, unless he's gotten rusty because I don't know when the last time he was he's played.
1: Well, simple, we just uh, we give Phil, Kyle's alcohol.
0: <laughs> me, me and you are pretty close. Um, I can do aerials pretty decently, and I don't think that you can. But otherwise, we're... I could hit him a- uh, occasionally. Yeah, but
1: I also don't go for him nearly as much as you do. Yeah. But I think I'm better at uh, just defensive awareness.
0: Yeah, yeah, you definitely are that. I'm more, I'm more offensive. Yeah, but I, I it, try yeah, which to. Is,
1: uh, yeah, which you would think it would be the other way around.
0: <laughs> um, I try not to, uh, not to like just chase the ball all the time because Get that's a poor strategy. But I'm definitely always on the look for an attack as opposed to a save.
1: Yeah, which I had some really good saves.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jesus saves.
1: It takes half damage. There you go. Anything you want to say about
0: Rocket League? Nah, nothing. Nothing else. Nothing how, new. How about broom. Vroom. Vroom? It's yes, broom.
1: It's broom ball.
0: Broom ball. Alrighty. Well, then I'll move it on to my games. I very quickly just added World of Warships because I was sitting here thinking while you were talking. Um, I created. A clan in mm-hmm. world of warships because that's kind of my free-to-play game that i go back to and play um i, I took a pretty big break because the content got really stale but they've added so many new lines of ships and stuff that like you know you you play warframe or Crossout. i guess yours is cross out right now
1: yeah well you know, I- you keep- I- i'm on a little bit of a break of Crossout just
0: because the economy's just gone absolutely batshit <laughs> right so, but World of Warships is the one that I have gone back to for the last couple of years. So, I made a clan. If you play World of Warships and you want to join the clan, um, my gamer tag, username on World of Warships is actually old and busted. It's one of the only ones that's not JR4707. Actually, I should look and see if I can change it.
1: Yeah, you're Captain but, Old and Busted.
0: Yeah, you can send me a friend request and then I'll just add you to the clan. Everyone that is already on my friends list has been invited. Wait, wait
1: do I need the uh, the password now? <laughs>
0: No, you're fine, but uh, I just I just want to say that really quickly. It's good. I played it some this week, but uh, which you know.
1: I played uh, with you last week. Uh, yep, I'm actually yep. somewhat decent with battleships. Uh, I have no
0: idea why I'm
1: uh, good with battleships. Uh, that's usually not my thing.
0: Yeah, I've been playing the the British battleship line. I'm into tier four right now. I'm like halfway to the tier five battleship. And then I've been playing the French cruiser line, which they get to, like, the the interwar between World War I and II period really early in their tech tree. Mm-hmm. So even though they're, like, tier three ships, they kick ass because they're, they're fast and they're nimble and they have really good turret rotation.
1: And they're rude like, to everyone.
0: <laughs> the only thing that they don't have a lot of is armor. Like, the Tier 3, like, if you go against the St. Louis, which is basically, like, a pocket battleship, you're not gonna win. It will tear you up. So other words, but,
1: retreat! Retweet!
0: Yeah, but for the most part, I mean, it's like having a Tier 3 Cleveland, which is, That's like, evil. Yeah. I think the intense. problem I have with uh, World of
1: Warships is just, I don't know the ships well enough. So, I don't have, uh, you know, the history of uh, knowing, you know, that the, the, the Cleveland this type of ship, and it... Uh, and they're actually somewhat realistic with how they depict the various ships.
0: Yeah, ships definitely have roles, and even like certain ships within classes will be can be very different. Yeah, particularly the cruiser class. There's so many different types of cruisers because um, I mean they're you know in real life at least at that time period they were sort of the catch all ships. Like we just, like it just a general purpose warship was a cruiser. So there's tons of different designs and philosophies for them. Mm-hmm. So. It's there's a lot of variety, and I I really like the French cruisers. I mean, that's the only ships that they have. the only Their only line is the cruiser line, so I'm glad they made it a good one. But yeah, that's that. That's all I have to say. Join the clan. Get get stuff. I, I I've actually I've played enough so that I unlocked one of the first things, which reduces research time on tier five ships. Ooh. So. There's a few things you can get really cheaply, like with the clan resources you get, which are oil. You get ten oil every time you open up a crate. Um, And that uh, would speed up as we get new people in, because it's
1: a clan thing.
0: Right. So you can get, like, the really early stuff you can get pretty quickly, like, probably by the end of this week I'll have two or three of the ship research time reducers done, uh, but after that, they things start to get expensive. Start? Yeah. The, it doesn't cost any other resources though. You just have to collect the the clan resource, which is oil. So, join our clan, play World of Warships, earn clan resources. Cube joined as well. So thank you, Cube, for joining. He's our silent partner. He is our silent partner in crime. But, uh, okay, I'll move it from one game, which I've played and talked about immensely, to another game I've played and talked about immensely, which is Factorio. Um, Nothing, like, super big to report. Just yesterday, this was what made me forget that we were going to play Warframe. Kyle posted a tweet that said that he was going to get Mel's into Factorio and start teaching her. And I was like, hey, do you want a a third? Because I've played Factorio, I think, the most out of everyone. Actually, I don't know how much Kyle has played, but... Like, Kyle, I think it's funny. Kyle was the one who got me into Factorio, and now he's, like, asking me questions about stuff. Um, But I was like, oh, hey, yeah, do you want a third? Like, I can help, and, like, you can focus on teaching Mels, and I'll make sure that the aliens don't eat us. And they were like, sure. But then Mels didn't come play because she was tired and had to go to work early or something. And so Kyle and I were like, ah, well, we'll just, like, mess around for a little bit and then get off. And it's, like, three hours later so well we've got a big factory complex and a uh, defensive wall and all all these other things and it's like so you yeah. built a wall Kyle built the wall well he would but so yeah that's uh it turned into that and then we were like you know what we should just save this and then play on it every once in a while because neither of us have ever finished a game multiplayer like we both done it single player but so we just we figure we'll finish a game multiplayer And with two people, stuff goes a lot faster because, you know, obviously it doesn't change or scale up any of the prices for, or the resources that you need for, like, research or anything like that. So you have one person that can do one thing and one person to do another thing, and, you know, the more people you add, the more you can diversify. Just as long as everybody can work well together. Because Factorio, if you have one person who's like, it has to be done this way, and I will not allow it to be any other way, then you're going to have a bad time. But Kyle and I both were like, yeah, who gives a fuck? Just, like, is this what you're doing? Okay, you do that. And if I need something, then I'll come talk to you about it. So, it's been good. It was good. Good time. Once again, I apologize for forgetting about saying that we would play Warframe. I'm well, not trying to make you feel too guilty about it.
1: It was just... Uh, I thought it was funny.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, but, so yeah. That's all I have to say about Factorio. They haven't any major updates or anything like that. Just bug fixes and tweaks and stuff here recently. They do, like, one really big update every... I don't know, six ish months. Yeah. And that's outside of that. It's just bug fixes and tweaks. Uh, the next game I played this week though, was a new one for me. Space run galaxy. So I've played the original space run at some point. Yeah, I hadn't played uh, the first one, but I did do a Sunday sampler on it ages ago. Yeah. There's like a special reward or like a special icon and something you get for having the first one. It's like a, a hat icon. And then like some bonus starting resources. It's like mm-hmm. a loyalty bonus or whatever. But, I mean, it's not all that much. Um, It's just, like, a nice little nod, you know. But, yeah, Space Run Galaxy is basically the first Space Run with a lot more content to it and the added multiplayer aspect where that people can set up contracts for you to either move their goods so that they don't have to, Um, they can design ships and sell the designs, and they can um, buy and sell parts from the stations. It's pretty simple stuff. Um, But, I mean, that part of the game is pretty dead. It's not completely dead. Yeah, basically, it's
1: pretty much every uh, concern I had about the multiplayer has come to fruition.
0: Yeah, there's four main, or, like, there's four sectors, which are kind of like, I don't know, your worlds or your levels or whatever you want to call it. Areas that you can trade in. Um, And I'm still only in the first one. So I don't know if maybe, like, the people that are still playing in the game are all concentrated on one of the other sectors but the first sector is is pretty much dead you know there's like one or two contracts on some of like the central stations they can trade to the most places um and you know a few things that you can buy but in general it's just dead yeah i remember uh when it came out it, the first map was pretty active but
1: i'm looking uh 24 hour peak is 33 players
0: yeah i'm one of those players I played it today. I'm playing. <laughs> um, it's it, it has this weird thing that I don't understand. It like an inconsistent frame rate. So whenever you're... Uh, well, whenever I'm playing on my laptop anyways, whenever I go to land at the stations and interact with the stations, which are basically just all static stuff, my frame rate hovers at around 20. Mm-hmm. But then whenever I'm actually doing the runs... It's like 50 to 60. Well, maybe it's like just the-
1: uh, rendering a bunch of stuff in the background or loading. Because, maybe. uh pretty much everything between the stations is the randomized, uh, well, it's, uh, I guess you could call it tower defense. Yeah. Uh, but mobile tower defense, but it's one of those things that
0: uh, there's not a lot going on in the background, so there, it's a lot easier on the computer. I guess so. By the way, for anyone who doesn't know, Space Run is um, this sort of tower defense. Uh, I would call it rogue Rogue light tower
1: defense. Yeah, with just how much randomization they have in it, or I should say procedural generation, because going between the two uh, routes, it's usually at least somewhat different.
0: Yeah, so what you do is you accept missions and you ferry cargo from one destination to another, and you've got a modular ship that. When you're docked at stations, you can design, like, the overall layout of your ship with, like, expansion parts. But then when you're actually doing the runs themselves, you get points to build turrets just like in a tower defense game. And you get little notifications from where ships are going to come or asteroids or whatever. And then you try and uh, plan accordingly to defeat them. So, and you can, you lose if your bridge is completely destroyed or if you, like, lose all of your cargo, you can't complete a run. But most runs are like, eh, 50% cargo is good enough. Or they'll let you go back and try again. So it's pretty, at least in the first zone, it's pretty hard to completely lose.
1: Yeah, I imagine that without many players playing, though, the progression really slows down. Because if memory serves, granted it's been a while since I've played this. In order to build new uh, nodes onto your ship, you have to have all the resources to uh, yeah, buy it. Or create it, I should say. Right. And uh, all the resources are localized in wherever your run finished. Right. So in which order to cons- that- uh, to consolidate, you have to either do the runs yourself, which is very tiresome, or put out the player contracts, which, if I recall correctly, it wasn't that expensive, or it was a freebie that you could do. I can't remember which.
0: Yeah, I haven't created a contract yet. I can. But the first zone is so dead, I'm like, why bother? So, I try and basically what I'm doing is to kind of get around that is I'll run multiple runs to the same station. Yeah, uh, but the so thing that, is
1: that different stations have different things.
0: Right? But it in the first zone there's like a central station that has four connection points to it and you're I'm able to get everything. Uh I get I have the most red and then I have the second most green and then the least blue. But I, I, you do have to expand though to get the bigger ship designs because you have like base designs. I don't know when you can get to like completely build your own ship because that's one of the things that they're like build your own ship. But you have at least in the beginning you have like a couple of designs that can only be expanded so much. Yeah,
1: I don't think I ever got to that point. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, su- the- I'm not sure if uh, they mean build their, your own ship as in have a, a base design and customize it or not.
0: Yeah, I mean they they show off like someone made like a cat and someone made like a replica of the Starship Enterprise and stuff like that. But well, a replica, something that looks close to it, but
1: uh, if you kind of squint,
0: yeah. So I don't know. It's fun, and yeah, it's I not enjoy a, it. Yeah, it's but... not a
1: bad game. It's just the uh, if I would have to suggest, I would say probably go back and play the original Space Run at this point, though, with the multiplayer being dead.
0: Yeah, because Space Run 2 is super repetitive because I think it really counted on you having that multiplayer aspect to move a lot of your stuff around and encourage player interaction and stuff. Yeah, I was hoping
1: that I was wrong about the player interaction. Maybe uh, they have it where if there's no players, there's uh, automated bots that will uh, handle the runs for you uh, to move resources around. You should test that.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll test it. I, I doubt I'll beat it if this is how I have to keep Going through because it just it'll get tedious. But for now, it's still fun, and it's a good game to play on my laptop because when you're actually doing the the runs, it it runs fine.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking uh, uh, at the store page, and it has our curator on it. When we were still doing the curator, probably should uh, at least do highlights. Uh, you know, and not cover everything on it because oh, that that would be tedious. Uh, the curator is not easy to keep up with unless you have a minion doing it. But I said, uh, an improved version of Space Run with a multiplayer component that leans leans on heavily might be an issue if there's no other players.
0: (laughs) Yep, well, it's not dead, but it's close. It's on live support. Insert uh, reference to any of our whipping boys here. Indeed. All right, so the next game that I barely played this week was Super Cluster Void. Uh, oh, boy! The, the reason I barely played this game is because it's broken as fuck. Um, so... keymailer. On the outside, it looks like sort of a top-down version of... It, it feels like Elite Dangerous more than any of the other sort of space games that are out there. Yeah, but it was made at MS Paint. Yeah. I kind of like the art style. It's it's cute.
1: It, it, it definitely has the low-poly... Uh, I could see if it, if it was if the game was better, it would be endearing. But I think uh, because you're saying that the game isn't done all that well, it would just infuriate me.
0: Yeah. So the biggest problem with the game is that it doesn't understand what screen resolutions are. Oh, well, to be so, fair, screen resolutions are diff- are difficult. Yeah, but it doesn't even know what the basic ones are. Like, you, it says that it can do. 1920 by 1080, but it lies. It definitely is not. And the full screen option doesn't do anything except blow up the box that the game is playing in. So you kind of have to like pick the resolution that's closest to yours when you hit full screen. It's unplayable on my laptop, which really sucked. I was hoping to have another, you know, game to play on my laptop, but it doesn't have 1600 by 900, which is what my laptop screen resolution is. And I mean, you can do nineteen twenty by ten eighty, but then that's bigger than my screen, and it doesn't scale. It it just doesn't scale. It's got a set number of screen resolutions, which you can hit full screen, which just blow them up to a larger size, and it's got a few off key ones too. So, it had what was it? It had twelve eighty by seven sixty or seven seventy. Weird. Yeah, and then it had a couple of of three by four aspect ratio ones um and then it it had let's see it had 600 by 900 it was weird a lot of weird resolutions and then there's no other options none there's no difficulty options there's no uh key rebindings there's no nothing what you get what you have is what you get no sound options Well, yes, you could control the volume. You control Uh, the master volume and the music volume. That's it. Well, that's better than some of the indie games I've ran into. That's fair. That's fair. Um, The game plays poorly, even when you get a decent enough screen resolution to play it on. Um, I don't know if it's buggy or if it's just non-responsive or if it's just broken. But your ship's control, all wonky. Not all of the controls do what they say they're supposed to do. It's unintel. Well, it's not unintelligible, but the. I don't know if this is a non-English. Like the people who make this game are not not native English speakers, but it's got some rough translated bits in it. Even in the beginning, during the tutorial, there's some stuff that doesn't make sense, and I'm like, "What? What is it that you actually want me to do?" So I I played it for. Well,
1: I imagine this is a one-man development team,
0: just from the name
1: of the developer.
0: Yeah, I played it for less than half an hour. I just couldn't I just got I just got frustrated. I couldn't play it anymore. It sounds like they've got a lot of really cool stuff in there if they iron out like some technical issues. Um it's supposedly like a four X game that, you know, you start in your little solo ship and you build up into a giant empire, like that sort of thing. It's got a lot of automation to it, according to, you know, the what the game says about itself, but yeah, it just, it just doesn't work right now.
1: I can't tell if I'm happy or sad that I didn't play this.
0: Yeah. And I tried it on both machines, too. Like, it's got, it's only got a few reviews and they're all positive. Well, sorry, there's one negative. One.
1: It does look like he's, uh, I'm assuming, uh, he and, uh, it's a single developer. Uh, is patching this heavily, though, so... Yeah, it's it's received a few updates. So I, mean, I I might, or I should say, it at least looks like in the past it's gotten some because
0: I just noticed that the last date was uh, in July, or sorry, not July, June. Yeah, I might come back to it in the future if it receives a few more updates because I really like the look of this game, and of course, I'm all about this concept of game. It's like really my cr- this type of game is my crack, but I, I, you know. I'll I'll inform the media sweet but you know at this point in time it's just broken it's not very good so but that means i don't have to spend a lot of time on it i will move on to my next game which is the last game on my list which is call of duty black ops 2 uh actually i put the steam store link but i actually played this on xbox at one of my kids houses um also uh, you don't want to do things like aiming <laughs> we just said t- actually it makes aiming super easy. There's so much aim assist. We were playing um the Well, that's why Zombies meant. We were playing the zombies mode, and it's like you just kind of roughly center your reticle on the chest and then zoom in, headshot every time. It's crazy. He's like, How are you so good at this? It's like, dude, there's so much aim assist. You could be like terrible and still do okay. But I
1: bet that made him feel a lot better about his life.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we were having, like, a, a fun day. He'd, he'd he'd gone through some stuff recently, and he's been making a good recovery, and I was like, why don't we just, like, chill out and play video games? Like, we haven't done that in a while. So, uh, I went up staying at his house for, like, two hours, <laughs> playing Black Ops 2, because we were having a good time. But uh, all we played with the zombies mode, and it's they made some tweaks in Black Ops 2 to the Zombies mode. Uh, you can build things like gadgets and uh, you can build traps and things like that to place on the map. And um, Those are neat. It, it is kind of frustrating because I didn't know where to go on any of the maps. And you know, he's this kid's 12 years old, so he's like, go over there. Come over here. I'm over here. I'm like, where is over here? You're too far away for me to see your icon and I don't know where I'm going. But once you found the things and you crafted the stuff, you could build, like, shields and bots, like, to help defend you, and you could build, like, special weapons. And that's pretty neat, because the Zombies mode, um, at least that I'm familiar with, I haven't played any of the newer ones. Uh, this is actually the newest Call of Duty Zombies mode I've played, so... Previous versions, or everything is really static on the map, and so it's nice to be able to affect the map in in ways and be able to... Customize your experience a bit more mm-hmm. because once in in previous zombies games, like once you learn a map and figure out what the optimal strategy is, you just rinse and repeat until you know you you fail one time and then you start over and try and get farther. Um, also, and this the al- way of doing things. <laughs> yeah, but this allows you to have a greater diversity in the way that you approach the maps. So, um, also the maps are a lot less static. Like the first map that we played is like a a terminal. Like a bus terminal, and you could ride the bus to like four or three or four different sections of map, and it had different routes that it could take. Um, And for God's, whatever you do, don't fall off the bus. The first time that we did it, I climbed on top of the bus, and he's like, you probably don't want to be up there. And I was like, why? It's all right, kid. I got this. It's like, why do I want to, why would I get down? Like, this is great. The zombies can't get at me. He's like, yeah, but one of the signs, like if you hit one of the road signs, you'll fall off and get trapped in the tunnel. And I was like, oh, how do I get in the bus? He's like, oh, you can't. I was like, well, that would have been nice to know before I climbed on top of the bus. And I hit one of the road signs and I fell off. And there's like these, I don't know, goblin looking like zombies that jump on you and claw at your face. And if enough of them tackle you, like they just knock you down and kill you. And that happened to me. It was very sad. I got better, though. I got better. The There's also more interactive elements on the maps in general. There's one map that's like an old mining town, and it's got this guy in it that just kind of wanders around. Um, but if you find alcohol and give him alcohol, he turns into, like, a crazy, like, rage person and will just, like, charge yes. and kill zombies and break down barriers so that you don't have to pay your points to open the barriers. Now, see, if you make that a coffee, then it's me. <laughs> So, it's, it's good. It's fun. Um, it's probably going to be the next, like, Call of Duty game that I buy. And just, like, very slow. Because every once in a while, they go on sale. Normally, they, yeah, they don't. Yeah, but not but... That much. Yeah, but. Yeah. Does anyone else have Black Ops 2 on Steam? No. Okay, nobody else does. Maybe I, should, I, don't, I wouldn't do that. Because I don't want to play with any randos that might still exist out there. Apparently, there's 147 people playing Call of Duty Black Ops 2 right now on Steam. That many? Yeah, that many, actually. I'm surprised it's that many. So, maybe next time it goes on sale, I'll buy myself a copy and buy Kyle a copy and Mel's. Do you want a copy? You didn't really like Black Ops very much. Well,
1: my only experience with it was uh, Kyle doing his thing, and I didn't really get to play. It was more just watching Kyle. I mean, right. I mean, nothing really against Kyle. It's
0: just he is in his ways on it. Kyle is a super-duper, like, power... Gamer like optimizer, um, and I'll so be perfectly he's, he's honest. A, he's a min maxer.
1: I, I I played it, but I didn't
0: play it. Right. I had no Me idea what should... the fuck was going on. Me and you should play it sometime. I'm I'm not as good as Kyle, but I'm pretty good. So I might could carry us a little bit, but I am nowhere near a min maxer. I'm just like, hey, let's have fun, kill zombies. So, I think yeah, I would have to we,
1: install it again because I deleted
0: it. That's fine. Well, I mean, we won't play it, like, today, but we should play it sometime in the No, future. I think
1: we should do a podcast.
0: <laughs> We're already doing a podcast. So, yeah, oh. that was my games list. That's my games list. And we- look, we went over 60 minutes between the two of us. So, there we go.
1: So, we got that going right.
0: for us. Which is nice. Do you need a quick break or anything? No, or- do you? No, I'm good. I've got enough water, and I don't have to go to the bathroom right now. All right, so um,
1: l- let's uh, pay 2 bucks 50 and talk about loot boxes again. Yep. Oh, oh, ba- wait, wait, I I I shouldn't I should stop making that joke because loot boxes are free to open. That's right. They're but you have to buy them
0: occasionally. Well, some games are free to open, some games are not. Yeah. So Anyways, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Loot box- loot boxes aren't gambling, claim games rating boards and by games rating boards, I mean ESRB and Peggy.
1: Yeah, oh, the ESRB was a little bit more inflammatory. Peggy uh, was kind of passing the buck on this one. Oh, the this uh, this coming out literally twelve hours after saying that the ESRB is about the only chance that we have before uh, things really get nasty was not a good place for me. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, let's let me call up the article and I need to read this statement. Let's see, where is it? Ah here it is, here it is. I'm going to the Gotaku article. Yes, Gotaku actually did a good article. They occasionally have good articles. If you could sift through the bullshit. Let's see. The ESRB does not consider loot boxes to be gambling, said an ESRB spokesman in an email to Gotaku. While there's an element of chancy in these mechanics, the player is always guaranteed to receive in-game content, even if the player unfortunately receives something that they don't want. We think of it as a similar principle to collectible card games. Sometimes you'll open a pack and get a brand new holographic card that you've uh, had your eye on for a while, but other times you'll get Pikachu. Oh wait, sorry. (laughs) Uh, But other times you'll end up With a pack of cards you've already have, yeah. So, do you want to tear this apart?
0: Well, the first thing that I want to say is that they talked about this on Co-Optional, and I believe I haven't haven't listened to that
1: Co-Optional yet. I don't
0: think he brought this up as like an their counter argument and a lot of stuff that people are have said about it. And he said that the main difference is and why that this isn't a fair comparison to make is that if you're playing a a collectible card game. Um, be they physical or digital the physical collectible card games that generates a secondary market for cards that you get duplicates of because they're a physical item that you can sell or trade and in every CCG that he knows of you're you can um, get rid of duplicates that you get and then use those to create cards that you don't have thereby having a way to recycle what you get and while that's not as good, he felt like that they were making a comparison to the physical collectible card game. And you can't make that comparison because physical goods that you own and you can do what you want with.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, I bet the casino industry is just looking at this and thinking why can't we have the ESRB regulating us?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because they don't consider it gambling because you always get something. That, 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 that's just mind blowing to me. That. Uh, uh,
0: how? That used to be how in the United States and how in some other places of the world that, that they got around gambling restrictions is that you would get something like a token or whatever. Like, they used to be like candy machines or you get little toys or whatever. And, like, think pachinko machines. Like, they pay out rewards in, like, I don't know, points or figures or whatever. But then you take those somewhere else, usually to the place, you know, right next door, and you trade those yeah, in for they just happen to be uh, run by the Yakuza as well. Yeah. And you trade those things in for money. So it's gambling, but there was no money being changed in that scenario. But in the United States, that was outlawed too. So the only way, the only reason that they get away with that, like, oh, you get something no matter what you do is because we don't have laws and regulations that have kept pace with the digital world. I mean, this literally has been a thing before that was ruled to be gambling and made illegal.
1: Yeah, but it wasn't the ESRB saying it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think the ESRB is looking at this and, well, assuming that they're not trying to protect the publishers, because I, I do believe the ESRB is at least partially funded by them. I could be wrong on that one though I, I I was trying to find info on that because there was a lot of people saying well of course the ESRB would uh, be protecting uh, their interest because they're in bed with the publishers and I was trying to find yeah, you know, just where they were getting their funding and everything was coming up as a non-profit so uh, there you go but uh, I'm a little hesitant to go full tinfoil hat and I think that a lot of it is that they don't want to Climb into the regulatory pit that is trying to uh, sort out all the gambling and all the different systems involved. I mean, I am playing probably a little bit of devil's advocate on this, trying to figure out why. Their
0: statement is just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Peggy made a very similar statement, but basically, they were a they lot said more was- intelligent about
1: saying that uh, this. This isn't our jurisdiction, essentially, and they're uh, trying to pass the buck to a gambling regulation, right? Which I have, uh, yes, it sucks. I would uh, like to see them take a harder stance, but I understand that that this isn't something that you should dive into immediately. But at the same time, yo, know, it needs something to be done. Yeah, and we've also seen the UK government uh, uh, say that. Uh, they're hesitant to it, but yeah, they're at least leaving it on the table, it seems. Uh, let me see. Game industry biz was that one. Um, I'm trying to find the statement. Uh, protecting children and vulnerable people from uh, being harmed or exploited by gambling is one of the core objectives of the regulation of gambling in Great Britain and a priority of the government. The Gambling Commission has a range of regulatory powers to take action where illegal gambling is taking place. Earlier this year, in the Gaming Commission, successfully uh, prosecuted the uh, the operators of a website providing illegal gambling facilities for inline for online game items, which was accessible by children. The first uh, regulator of the world uh, to bring such action. So there is precedent here, and that is uh, CSGO Lotto. If you uh, don't recall that one, so I do think that there is. Uh, th- there has to be a head here. There has to be a tipping point, and I'm afraid of where we're going to go from here because this was my big out. This was this was the base case. This was the best case scenario, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, because well, cause if you get the gambling um disc- uh, content warning or descriptor for a game, it immediately goes adults only. Yeah. Which, if they did that, then game publishers, you know, one, many, if not most, major retailers don't carry adults-only games. Yeah, so you'd lose
1: uh, Walmart, you'd lose Best Buy, you'd uh, probably lose GameStop, you know, uh, uh, those, uh, unless they decide
0: to alter their policies, which that takes time. Right. And then two, the places that do carry adults-only games, like, most parents don't care about a mature rating, which I don't understand, but whatever, but when they say adults only, their first thing is like, oh, sex, porn, I don't want my kids to have that, because that's terrible. So, they would, that would cut out some of their sales as well, and really, you know, it, it would just make it more difficult for kids to get these games, which is one of the big, one of the big worries, beyond just it being shitty, but exposing kids to gambling early on can be just as bad and just as addicting as exposing them to alcohol or drugs or um, nicotine at an early age. Yeah, but definitely not caffeine. Nah, caffeine's fine. Just makes them angry. <laughs> Keeps them up at night.
1: Playing World of Warcraft. It, it, this is just a really, really shitty situation. I'm, I'm. I think we're going downhill from here. I hate to say that. But I'm just looking at everything laid out, and I've really thought about this this past week. And I honestly don't think boycotting is going to work here, just with the way that the loot uh, loot box system is set up in general. Yeah. The loot box, if you don't know, uh, the loot box system essentially works on the whale mentality, that a small percentage is what funds everything it's the same thing that mobile games uh, a lot of free-to-play mobile games run on is that your average player if they pay at all is only going to put in a small amount of money however a small percentage of your player base the whales will pay the lion's share of your budget it may just be one percent it may be half a percent but if your whales are big enough they will pay for everything. And loot boxes are the same basic idea. That for every hundred people that... You know, assuming that they even buy one. Or even buy one that isn't the free one that they get. You'll have one person that puts in $100, $200. To be able to get the best stuff. I mean, I, I just recall back in my Team Fortress 2 days uh just going on a, a server to uh, play a game and there'd be someone saying they're opening uh, the crates over and over and over again and each one of those crates was 2 bucks 50 and i'd watch them blow through 100 bucks worth of stuff looking for those shiny hats And I really should have seen that this was going to be a big problem later on in a lot of other games, but I just didn't really consider it at the time. It's just one of those things that, wow, that guy spent a lot of money on a lot of nothing. Yeah. It's depressing.
0: So, I found how the ESRB gets money. Oh, you did? How they make... I I just, I
1: searched for a little bit. I didn't uh, spend a lot of time on it because uh, I kept coming up non-profit, so I just... They forgot it. Yeah, said forget it and went
0: on my way. You have to pay to get your game rated. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say how much money they charge to to rate games, but um, every game has to pay to receive an ESRB rating. And in the United States, ESRB ratings are basically mandatory. I mean, technically they're voluntary. You don't have to get your game rated, but But if you want to be a a retail store. Right, you have to get your game rated. And there are some places where the ESRB, like, I'm just, like, scrolling through pages, and there are some countries that have mandatory ESRB ratings for every game, which I didn't realize that the ESRB was outside of the United States. Yeah, it's mostly in the
1: United States, but it is a general rating board.
0: That's why the ESRB
1: was the big one. Uh, Peggy is, uh, I would say, the second one. Yeah, isn't but, Peggy just Europe? Yeah, I was about to say it's uh, mostly uh, operating in Europe and uh, the UK. Remember, those are separate now. That is true. Also,
0: isn't Peggy in Australia?
1: I, I'm not sure about that one.
0: It doesn't really doesn't really matter all that much. But it looks like you can't apply if you're a small enough developer to have the ESRB waive your fee, but you have to apply for it. It's not just a default thing. So that's I w- would suspect that that's how they make the lion's share of their money. But I'm also not willing to say, no, they definitely don't ever accept anything from devs, because I'm a cynic now. Oh, no, you've become me. I mean, I've kind of, I've I've become much more cynical, I guess, since we started doing this, and I've gotten older, and Donald Trump became president. <laughs> oh. And,
1: uh, well, let's admit it, I've rubbed off on you.
0: I've rubbed off you on you
1: more than you have on me.
0: You have another point that you made that while I was looking for, I didn't respond to because you were still talking. But you said um, you don't think that boycotts will be able to to stop this. Or I should say,
1: boycotts I... of the loot boxes themselves. If there's a big enough boycott of the game itself, but the problem is that uh, it just
0: gamers haven't been able to resist long enough to, for a boycott to work. Right, well, and even like in the Kotaku article, at the very near the very bottom of the article, they're like, "Well, but in our experience, loot boxes in Shadow of War and Destiny Two are easy to ignore." It's like, "Well, so far, well, maybe, but by buying the game in the first place, you're basically saying to the developers that you're okay with this, and then it's going to be there for forever, trying to tempt you to buy stuff." Yeah,
1: and it's uh, not just that there there were uh, countless articles coming out after Shadow of War released. Talking about how gamers were gaming the system uh, yeah, to try to avoid loot boxes.
0: Right. For Especially for the very end of the game to get the true ending. It was either like they were saying it was a super grind fest or you had to game the system or you had to buy loot boxes. Or, so or using some sort
1: of cheat because there was also people using Cheat Engine to uh, boost the sale price of various items to be able to just buy the the player currency. Uh, loot boxes which aren't as good, but if you buy enough of them, you know, they kind of uh, outweigh the other. Yeah, it's just a shitty, shitty place to be. Yep, and honestly, uh, yo, know, just saying, well, it's not that bad. They uh, They only cut off a bit of my foot,
0: yeah, right? I don't need those two toes. And then next time you come back, they've taken two more toes, and then they take your big toe. No, not this little piggy. Then you, then you can't do any of this little piggy. Yeah. Aww. Wee, wee, wee. All the way to the microtransaction store.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't worry; they'll sell they'll sell them back to you. But you have to buy them in a loot box. And and, yeah. and if you get the same toe over again, well, you'll get a little bit of currency back to maybe be able to craft the the other ones.
0: Yep. So. Are we ready to to Uh, move past this section of the discussion to the next uh, section of the discussion?
1: uh, Is there anything else to really hit on this
0: until well uh, next week something
1: else pops up? Because that's the other thing, is that every time we thought we've covered everything in this, there's something else that pops up.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what the the next title is going to be if we do four episodes in a row that are loot boxes. I mean, this week it's going to be loot box hat trick. The loot box quandary. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, four uh, D four D loot boxes.
1: <laughs> well, Forbes did have an interesting article about uh the ESRB is wrong about loot boxes and gambling. Uh basically covering pretty much what we uh uh, uh talked about, but also getting into psychologists call this the variable rate enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'll oh, talk about that. Only if we had a psychologist available to talk about.
0: Yeah. If only if only he had talked about that in the last two weeks. <laughs> if only. Yeah, well uh, assuming he wasn't too busy masturbating. It's a way of life, my friend.
1: Yeah, but you're going to get carpal tunnel.
0: Already have that. It's fine.
1: Well you need to cut down then. <laughs> <laughs> or at least what we'll chance. No, th-
0: no thanks. Sometimes I do. Go and Berdextrist. I'm an I'm an ambidextrous masturbator, right?
1: Well, I think we found your new world of Warships name.
0: <laughs> Indeed. So let's let's move on to sort of a a part two or an addendum to this, Electric which is Boogaloo. dice response to Star Wars Battlefront Two loot box fiasco. Yeah,
1: I pulled uh, one angry gamers article on this one uh, just because I I like the name of the site.
0: Yeah. So I mean, basically. Um
1: the, the crux of this it, it, is that they were saying, Well, our complete leveling system is in place of our beta for a game that's coming out in literally a month. And I'm gonna say bullshit.
0: Yeah. I think what they did, and and he calls this out one the one angry gamer, is that basically this was kind of like a test bed to see what was gonna happen if they did this and the internet blew up at them. So they're going. Oh no, it's not going to be that bad, and they're just going to roll it back a little bit and then try again later.
1: Yeah, let's uh, go through uh, the uh, uh, announcement that they did. Let's see. We know that there you have a lot of questions about crates and progression. So we want to clarify a few things. As the complete system was not in beta and will continue to be tuned over time. Which, oh, that 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 statement right there just infuriates me. There are many things that you could earn in game, including weapons, attachments, credits, star cards, emotes, outfits, and victory poses. As a balance goal, we are reworking towards having most of the, the the most powerful items in the game only available via in game achievements, which that doesn't sound good either, to be perfectly honest.
0: Nope, because that still rewards people who who play the game a lot, and they will have ultimately more powerful stuff than you. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm okay with like rewarding players who play a long time, but you have to balance it in some way. Mm-hmm. And if they're just saying, no, the OP weapons are for the people who've played a while, well, then new people are just screwed. Crates will
1: include a mix of star cards, outfits, emotes, or victory poses, which honestly, the fact that they have cosmetic stuff tied in, or t- mixed in directly with their progression stuff is just absurd to me. I mean, every time that you get a cosmetic in that game, it would feel like I'm being cheated. At least that's how I view it, you know?
0: Yeah. I I would feel the same way.
1: Players earn credits by uh, completing challenges and other gameplay milestones, or by purchasing them with in-game credits or crystals our premium currency. Uh, you can't see it, but I, I have a bit of an eye twitch going on. If you get a duplicate uh, star card in a crate you will get crafting parts which can be uh, used to help upgrade star cards of your choice. Also known as pretty much the most standard system out there. And lastly, you have to earn the right to be able to upgrade star cards and unlock most weapons. You can only upgrade or unlock them if you have reached a high enough rank which is determined by playing the game which was the primary concern about this in the first place. For those who didn't listen last week or kind of tuned out, the system that they had in place if it went into the game full stock was set up in such a way that someone that bought on day one and put in enough money to be able to get the high ranked star cards, never mind the fact that some of them were flat out ridiculous, would be just absurdly powerful. I mean, the Boba Fett one is probably the most egregious one, or the most egregious single card, not considering combo cards, or mixing uh, two together, where he is invulnerable using an ability. How is that okay
0: in balance? It is not.
1: Maybe it's just me. I I was kind of turned off with the E3 presentation where they had, I, I believe it was someone playing Darth Ball, That was just wrecking everyone, and honestly it didn't look fun, and I was concerned about the balance, and I was not wrong. It seems like they have the balance, uh, they're taking the Hearthstone uh, side of balance, that everybody is overpowered, so it's balanced. Assuming that you're able to get the heroes in the first place.
0: Yeah.
1: I really don't like the way the AAA gaming is going these days. Me neither. Well, that's just because I've ripped off on you.
0: Well, I mean, I, may, I said, you know, I think it was last week I said that I just, full stock, I'm going to refuse to buy games that have microtransactions and loot boxes in them from now on. Especially AAA games. Maybe if an indie game yeah, is super cheap. Yeah, indie games, but-
1: I, uh, I, I give it more of a pass. Something uh, on the order of Rocket League, I don't have that big a deal with it, especially considering that... Well, uh, <sighs> That they were, uh, or that they're doing free DLC, which that's the crux of what's going on here is that Battlefront 2 was originally announced to have all its content being free, and this is what's paying for it. There's ringing you like a sponge. But this also has the full might of Disney behind it, (laughs) and the full might of EA behind it. Yeah. Ugh. I don't have that so, big a deal with the Indies doing it, or the small. Oh, the I would see say even as far as some of the lower end double a's, you Yeah, know, when those occasionally pop up, and of course free to play, but yeah, you know, you're not buying a sixty dollar fucking game to do this. I think that's the biggest thing here.
0: Yeah, and I, and I have zero problem with free to play games using whatever system they want, because like I said before, like I'm not paying you anything up front. So, I mean, if you're a business. You gotta make money. You want to make money? That's fine. You can dangle whatever system you want in front of me. But if I'm already paying you sixty bucks for a game, I I refuse. Like I'm just, I just refuse at this point. I'm done. I have so many games in my library to play that don't have this crap in it. There's so many good free to play games that are doing exactly what this is doing, if not better, because they've had more practice at doing this than. These big AAA publishers have. I would say Crossout probably has the most fair crate system I've encountered. Yeah, Crossout's is good. Warframe has got a good microtransaction market. They don't have crates, do they? Uh,
1: no, unless they are in the extreme high end of things. What they have is you're able to buy the currency, but the uh, but the uh, premium currency is tradable. So if you want something that uh, uh, is a uh, uh, viable only by the currency, which is actually a kind of a minimum of things. It's only yeah through their market. You can just grind out for stuff and sell it to uh, people for platinum, the premium currency there. And honestly, most right. of the platinum stuff is just skips or boosters. And even then you could get boosters other way. Okay.
0: So, yeah. And also, well, well, also something
1: else is that Warframe... I, very often does some sort of big discount on their uh,
0: Platinum just by long in the uh, login bonus. Yeah. Plus, I can freaking um, use ROMs to play older games, emulation. Like, there's so many games that I have access to, uh, you know, either for free or just paying them money one time for a purchase. I just refuse.
1: I really think we're going to yeah. see the rise of the patient gamer or more so than it already is. You know, people yeah, people not buying uh, immediately, and I really think that uh, I think we're looking at a AAA gaming crash. I, I want to be wrong on that, but I really don't see another way from doing this. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, especially with some of the uh, May- uh, with another ar- article that we have further down the docket.
0: Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be so bad to see some of these big companies crater. And see some of these smaller companies, or maybe maybe smaller is the wrong word, but see some of the better companies rise to the top, like um, CD Project Red, um, or GOG or whatever. I forget which one is actually like the top parent company. I mean, they're uh, not perfect. CD
1: Project is the top company. CD Project Red is a, di- a, di- a division of it.
0: Okay, so CD Project. I mean, they're not a perfect company, but they're a, a better company. Well, the thing is that
1: CD Projekt Red, well, The Witcher Three, their DLC was pretty well reviewed overall, and it's old style expansion style content. It's not horse fucking
0: armor. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to see like an industry crash, but honestly, I think being a PC gamer, we would be fine. Because that seems to affect at least last time around it affected the consoles a lot more. I don't know, the system's more integrated than it used to be, so who knows what would actually happen. But I'm not so worried about it anymore. It would I mean sometimes I mean, the, when the you have a thing system thing I'm, like I concerned this, about
1: is seeing a valve go down because oh that that would be devastating for the PC side of things. That would be. But, uh, but but valve is more of a marketplace now as much as i hate to say that and they're not really a developer these days unless you count card games for dota
0: yeah <laughs> and i mean my game library is primarily inside valve but it's growing in other places you know i i'm i've got 600 and something games in steam and probably only i don't know two dozen games outside of steam but you know that's that's continuing to slowly grow over time. So, I'm not I'm not even so much worried about if Valve cratered. It would just be extremely inconvenient. It would be it would be super inconvenient, but you know, that's okay. I can I can handle it. I would you know, I would save my my library from Steam and make sure to back that shit up like crazy. So that I didn't lose anything. Get a safe box at, at least the games state, that I cared uh, about
1: at the bank and uh, keep a, a series of hard drives in it.
0: Yeah. I think I've got one of my external drives is dying. I'm not sure which one, but it was making noises at me the other day. And I was like, well, that's not good. But, I mean, I have, oh, I don't know, a, sh- a shit, a metric shit ton of hard drives around here. So, worst case scenario, I flip open well, the enclosure replace the drive. if you have a shit ton of drives, what the, the drive. hell are you eating? oh wouldn't you like to know or maybe you wouldn't like to know
1: bad thoughts bad thoughts go back to Jim Sterling's
0: nipples (laughs) yes yes indeed okay do you have anything else to add on this topic
1: Well, it's just it's so crazy that they don't have the full fucking leveling system in the beta you would think that that would be something that they would want to test Granted, in order to test it properly, either they need to accelerate it, or you know, have longer than a weekend beta. But then again, these betas—they're not betas; they are marketing, and that's what drives me absolutely insane and puts a lot of undue pressure on early access, or at least I should say some early access titles that are a bit on the buggy side, because they see early access and uh, yeah, see that they're calling it a beta. It's like. Well, Battlefront's beta, it it was uh, running perfectly well. That's not a beta, kid. Yeah. Uh, But then again, a lot of terms kind of lose their meaning over time. It's just, uh, I guess, kind of the bastardization of the industry as well. So, uh, that was a pleasant thought. Uh, Moving swiftly along.
0: Indeed, let's move on to our next topic, which is another big industry topic: uh, Humble Bundle to be acquired by IGN. Ugh. So this came out of nowhere. Yeah. Apparently, this deal's been in the works for a long time. Yeah, they, they've, but been, they've kept it yeah, quiet. They've been
1: really got to keep it this one quiet. And I'm unsure what to think about this. I'm only my biggest thing about this is I'm just seeing such a huge conflict of interest here. Yeah. Um, well, okay, for, IGN. For, yeah, for those who don't know, which would actually be shocking if you don't know IGN at least, IGN is, I would say, one of the major, if not the major, game review sites out there.
0: Yeah, it's one of the big ones. It's one of the old guard. It's been around since the late 90s.
1: Yeah. And Humble Bundle is, well, originally was a charity uh, indie bundle site that's kind of Blossomed into its own little storefront, usually selling Steam uh, copies of games. To be perfectly honest, uh, yeah, and a publishing arm uh, that that rates their own games and uh, publishes them, as well as yep, which- uh, uh, original games for their subscri- uh, game subscription service, which is a blind box of subscription service.
0: Yep, and I didn't learn until I found out about this, that Humble Bundle was a was a publisher. Because I was like, oh, that's neat. IGN bought Humble Bundle. Good for them. And then I was like reading articles and like, And then you see, and I, was like, ooh. I was like, oh, I didn't know Humble was a publisher. Well, that sounds like a huge conflict of interest.
1: Yeah, I'm I trying mean, to think if I've got any of their published uh, titles. I think I have a few. Let's see... Uh, I'm uh, not finding it very easily on Steam, which is... They're probably under a different name. But anyway, yeah. That's my big concern, is just uh, that conflict of interest there. But we know that gaming journalism is is just a bastion of journalistic integrity.
0: I mean, I'm not... I have concerns but I'm not like 100% like oh my god this is terrible because as far as like these big really depends. sites everything goes it really depends, yeah. else, it really depends IGN- on how it's
1: split up because that's the thing is that usually whatever you see these game sites it's not one entity it's different arms working uh, as one so their advertising department uh will be independent of the review department or at least it should be
0: Yeah, what I was gonna say is that IGN has, for the most part, kept its head down over the years. I can't really think of a big IGN scandal or, you know, big issues that they've had with this in the past. They've always just kind of chugged along and done their own thing, and, you know, they've not been perfect, but they're not, you know, Kotaku, they're not Polygon, they don't have these reputations for being shit. They're just like, oh, it's, yep, that's IGN, that's them, so that... Sort of inspires, like, a little bit of confidence, but even if they handled it perfectly, there's still always going to be that thought in the back of my head from now on, like, is IGN saying that they like this game that Humble published because they actually really liked it, or are they trying to promote it because they'll get some kind of, you know, they'll get additional revenue from people buying it? It's hard to say. Plus, if they come in and completely mess with how Humble works, like, obviously, I don't know... Duh. Yeah, I don't think yeah, like anybody knows at yeah, this cl- point what the contract negotiations are.
1: Yeah, they claim that uh, Humble is going to be working independently, which may be true for the time being, but for how long?
0: Yeah, yeah. If I think if Microsoft or if Microsoft, if IGN treats Humble like how Microsoft has for the most part treated Minecraft and just like lets them do their own thing, and you know we own you, but you can do your own thing, that will probably be okay. But if IGN gets in there and starts messing with things, then we're probably going to see a lot more problems. So this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely something to be cautious about and consider from here on out when you go to buy stuff from Humble. Yeah, and
1: it it makes me wonder just how long Humble is going to keep going as it is because uh, I think that's the big thing is, well, outside of the conflict of interest, of course, is what happens to Humble now. Are we going to see a change on things? Because Humble has changed their lineups quite a bit. They've done a lot more mobile bundles. They've done a lot of book bundles. They've done a lot of software bundles. Are they going to uh, change how they've been running? Are they going to try to focus on uh, bigger titles and kind of get away from their indie roots? It's uh, really tough to say right now, because all this is speculation. That's the bad part of this article is that there's not there's not a lot of meat on the bones outside of just the statement of Aegean is buying humble bundle and that's it
0: yep we'll probably revisit this in a few weeks or a few months when a lot more of this stuff becomes public yeah which with Um, the things
1: have been going i'm expecting that not to be positive because i'm just the
0: ray of sunshine here's hoping i'll be hopeful
1: Oh, delusional. I'll be the
0: sweet I'll be the sweet sweet summer child who's hope who's who's hopeful.
1: Ah, uh, don't worry. I'll make you a jaded uh, old person yet. Then we could uh sit together on the uh, porch uh, in our rocking chairs talking about the good old days. Remember when we just had to buy games once?
0: Yeah. Remember when games had cheat codes? Yep. Which uh That's uh, kind of a sort of a segue into one of our topics, but I don't think it's the next one.
1: (laughs) Uh, Remember when uh, game sellers didn't piss us off? Oh, wait.
0: (laughs) Oh, are 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 we ready to move on? I guess so. Okay, so our next news topic is how games use matchmaking to sell content. So... This is kind of a culmination of two things. One was an article I found, and one was an article that Jimmy Jam sent us. Um, Uh, Via the Twitter. Even though I'm
1: not sure if this is his uh, personal blog or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the one that I found was actually from the Rolling Stone, which was interesting. And it's talking about how Activision uses matchmaking tricks to sell in-game items. um, And then the one that Jim sent us... Is about how League of Legends manipulates their matchmaking to favor players who spend money to make them feel good to spend more money. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which uh, the Rolling Stone article is uh, linking to a patent that was filed back in twenty fifteen, but uh, recently uh, given uh, that Activision is oh, uh, I am just reading through this it makes me feel so fucking scammy.
0: Yeah, the gist of what they're doing is that they're taking new players um in, in Destiny. Was it Destiny 2, or was it Destiny 1, or is it both? Uh, well,
1: it's it said that the technology isn't currently being used in any games. This was uh, something that's on the drawing board.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, it's uh, it's the I- second
1: paragraph. But Activision tells uh, Geek School that the technology is currently not in any games. That's, of course, assuming that you believe this. What's, yeah, I, I hate being so cynical about the truth in uh, video games uh, for publishers, but oh, uh,
0: damn! But what they're saying that it, the, what it's intended to do, let's say, what it allegedly does, is it looks at players in matchmaking and tries to match new players with um, players who have spent money, be they good players or older players or whatever, so that the new players would go, oh man, I see that person doing good and they've got all this cool stuff, maybe I would be that good if I had all this cool stuff. It also doesn't, it's Which,
1: supposed to uh, uh, kind of nudge you towards uh, if you bought a gun to uh, put you in situations where it, it makes it better. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other... Yeah. Insert it. yeah, that's the other side of it, is that like if you bought a sniper
0: rifle, it would uh, put you in more maps where that sniper is more relevant. Right, that's what I was gonna say. A matchmaker would try and put you in games where that they- that weapon was more relevant. Ugh. I mean, that's just... Insidious. It is, it is, but that's what, you know, marketing does. They do that with all kinds of stuff in other mediums. And I'm not saying that that gives it a pass, but I'm not surprised to see this. They, you know, just technology makes it now where it's easier to do and a, a bit more subtle. Yeah, maybe
1: I just don't play enough games with matchmaking that I'm just... Uh, Looking at this and uh, feeling so sickened. Yeah. Uh, Jared, remember when we had the server browser and we could just go to our favorite damn server?
0: Maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm old. But... Wasn't there a time (laughs) when we could just go browse servers for the games that we wanted? And if there wasn't one, we could create one.
1: And the servers were their own little community. Yep. Uh, this is not, this has not been a happy episode, has it?
0: No. For most games, I'm really happy to see a server browser, but Factorio, Factorio's server browser is a nightmare. They still don't have a good handle on how to do multiplayer in that game. Still, the best way to do multiplayer in Factorio is to get something that simulates a LAN and then play via LAN. That's off topic, but what's new for us? So the other article that Jim sent us was this guy Uh, played a... Yeah, Greedy Goblin. Yeah, he played a shit ton of games and recorded a ton of data and put together a bunch of statistics. Yeah, I'll
1: be perfectly honest. I looked at this and saw, yeah, that's a thing.
0: Yeah, it's a really big in-depth article. The gist of it is that he discovered that matchmaking in League of Legends favors people who spend money by putting them in situations where that they are most likely to do well with the thing that they just spent money on be it new characters or even like skins for old characters it tries to put you in situations where that you will do well which would encourage you to continue playing which would encourage you to spend more money on other things as like sort of a little a little trick a little psychological trick hidden below the surface which is also really freaking insidious but again, something that that marketing and things have been doing for a long time. It's just, we now have, a, uh, I guess, a blatant, or a way to figure it out. Oh, But, article.
1: That's right, he sucks. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a really well done, well put together article. I mean, the evidence to some extent is anecdotal because it's only his experience. But, I mean, he yeah, played a shit ton of games. And he has like graphs and charts and you can he has links to all of his data and you can go look at it yourself so i mean it's anecdotal but it's pretty in depth and i wouldn't i mean i i believe it i I believe that that's a thing what he was trying he was originally trying to do was to try and find strategies to be able to get higher in the ladder rankings so that he could get to the gold ranks and he wound up discovering that they manipulate matchmaking to favor players who buy stuff
1: yeah, because once you hit a certain point, you start uh, hitting that sort of hell level, and it's tough to get past. And that's what spurred all of yep. this. Oh, so it's not just loot boxes; it's matchmaking. That so everything sucks about as well.
0: multiplayer gaming sucks. Stick to single player games, people. Except Shadow of War. Fuck that shit. And <laughs> and Forza. <laughs>
1: And probably shouldn't play Mass Effect Andromeda because you're not going to get the end story now. But at least it doesn't have loot crates. Well, I can't say yet because you know, just uh, the only thing they're doing is the last few multiplayer. At least it doesn't have loot it, crates
0: so right now. That's just actually that's <sighs> not true. It does have loot crates in multi. Fuck! It doesn't have loot crates in single player. <laughs> but then we've made the argument against that. So fuck! Now I'm a hip- now I'm a hypocrite. Well, you
1: bought it before. I did. Right? I you bought made that
0: role. it a few months ago. At this point, yeah,
1: loot Creeks, they just make my face tired. Yes, they do. What is that even supposed to mean in that game world? Can you explain that to me? You played this game. What the fuck Wait, does that mean? What game. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. They
0: make my face hurt.
1: It it, it makes my face tired, or uh, sorry, my face is tired. as the quote that I saw over and over and saw the video clip over and over.
0: What the fuck does that mean? I don't think I've mean? seen this, or if I did I don't remember it.
1: It was in the middle of all
0: the kind of the dirt face uh, uh, videos. I am. And now you're searching. Aspect Andromeda, <laughs> sorry my face is tired. Yep, yep, It auto completed that for me. Whoops. Sorry my face is tired.
1: See, I, this wasn't a fever
0: dream. I remembered it. Oh, I see. So, she has no expression. This is just, like, something that happens in the story. And, I I mean, I've played it since they patched it, so I haven't seen this until now. But there's a scene where one of the, like, overseers or whatever is yelling at you because of something that happened. And she's like, sorry, my face is tired. And, like, what I've seen is, like, she's, like, really angry and, like, kind of sad, too.
1: Oh, but... But on the release version, uh, they kind of never... Uh, yeah, she doesn't emote. Emotions. She just
0: stares blankly at you. Yep. Well,
1: I guess that would mean her
0: face is tired. <laughs> her face is seized up. She had one too many Botox. Oh, <laughs> too much Botox. To I was literally <laughs> going there with my sense, but you <laughs> beat me to it. Okie okay, dokie. Well, let's move... Well, that was a fun was- doctor's quarter, And that was an alright all right section, too. It wasn't The most depressing, but that's, we kind of humored it up. Anyways, moving on.
1: Oh, it's all right. Back to the GameStop
0: ad rubs pre-orders in our faces. So last week, it was on Wednesday or maybe Thursday, GameStop released an ad and I don't have it pulled up. Do you have it pulled up?
1: Uh, no. And the, uh, at least when I looked, the Polygon article was, uh, it was a broken thing. Because it's linking to Pinterest, and I'm not logged into Pinterest, I think. Which, why would they link it to Pinterest? But, uh, essentially, it's Derpy Camel. It says,
0: well, and what it says is, sorry, the bonus mission is blocked, unless you pre-order Assassin's Creed Origins. And, like, as enthusiasts, we felt that way for a long time, but now GameStop is blatantly saying, hey, fuck you, unless you pre-order this game, you're not gonna get something if you don't do that. As opposed to framing them as like, oh, it's a pre-order bonus. If you get it, you'll get something that nobody else has. But now it's like, if you... Well, fuck you, commandment one. But now it's like, well, if you don't get it, if you don't pre-order, then you won't get the thing. And that's... On the one hand, like, I respect the honesty that they've just been like, fuck it. But on the other hand, it's like, god like we've known this for forever it, it's not, it's not just it's not just the
1: uh you know the phrasing but also uh that camel yeah uh, if you haven't seen it go, go search have. for it because uh, that, well, I, well i was i was talking to the listeners that there's more than one person hopefully uh listening You're to right. my voice right well, now
0: well i mean right now in this moment there's just me listening to you uh, uh, No, there <laughs> yes, is there is how does time work? Is it linear? Is it is it a series no, no, of tubes?
1: No, it's a big no. It's a big ball of tom time, Tommy Wami stuff. But I was more talking about the NSA, right. you know, and the FBI and fuck uh, Trump, right? Those guys, because you know we're broadcasting over the internet, so there's someone listening in whether we want to or not, and we're Indeed. completely off topic. Which is a first for tonight, and I'm also a compulsive liar. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. Right. Self. Okay.
0: That's true, you're not. <laughs> uh, it,
1: it, yeah, I'm not nearly as orange. I'm way too pale.
0: Anyways. I've heard a... a...
1: Uh, it, it, it's just a, the pure blatancy of this. It, it's just... Who thought that this ad was a good idea? Granted... I did not see this ad until after this article, mostly because I've run ad blocker these days. Because ads on the internet is just a vector for a lot of bullshit. Yep. It's not even just you know being oh well I don't want to see ads. How many times have we seen in the last couple of years some malicious ad being a vector for viruses? Too many,
0: but. Anyways, yeah, I've seen a lot of theories, like, I don't know if if fan theory is the right word, but a lot of people being like, oh, I bet it's somebody who's, like, using this to stick it to the man, and I suppose anything's possible, but I vote, like, rate the chances of that being true very, very low. Yeah, I
1: take it as someone just lacking all awareness of the culture around the orders and, and the anger about this subject. It's not someone sticking it to the man. I think it's just some dumb kid.
0: Yeah. Either I, my my vote is either on someone was just you know a group of very unaware people were just like yeah this is what it is that's fine, or someone was trying to to get some some free PR some free publicity because it's been in headlines. I've heard about it on every gaming podcast I listen to this past week, and and we're talking Including about it this now one. so. Those are my two, my two things.
1: Yeah, but see, uh, you know, th- there's one slight difference with us. We have the commandment, "Thou, Thou shalt, shalt not, not pre-order.
0: pre-order." That is absolutely correct.
1: Uh, and anyone that does gets a spanking. Unless you, it turns you on, then you do not.
0: And that's why Jared doesn't get the. Yeah, spanking. but I also don't pre-order things. I haven't pre-ordered a game in forever, years.
1: Yeah, I think the last time
0: I did was Portal 2. Mine was more recent than that, but it's been two or three years.
1: Uh, and what was... No, 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 wait. It would be uh, uh, Binding of Isaac Rebirth. But that was also for my YouTube channel. Gaming with Caffeine H, by the way. Ding. <laughs> Fries are done.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm hungry. Fries would be good. It's been like five hours since I ate.
1: I was... I was I, I was thinking that you're about to say it's been about five nope. minutes. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, GameStop, there's, there's, they're saying fuck you, and I'm saying fuck you right back.
1: And, and now, uh, well, the problem is we can't do this song because I don't have the karaoke version of a "fuck fuck you" with an a- anchor.
0: I have never heard that song. Oh come on! Oh, I've it I to don't you. remember ever hearing that song. Al- oh, yes. I think I remember.
1: <laughs> oh, trust me, you'll never forget it. Awesome. We need to look into getting a karaoke version of that. I, I think we're going to need it for the award show at the end okay. of the
0: year. <laughs> well, let's move on to our next piece of news then. Um, this will be a short one. Doom is coming to the Nintendo Switch, which is neato, it's nice to see Nintendo opening themselves up to a larger audience.
1: I was going to say opening themselves up to more mature games and uh,
0: that doesn't involve Right. A well, I mean that's what I was going for, but I guess more generally speaking. Um I mean Doom was on Nintendo before. It was on the the SNES. And
1: it's only been and how many had, years then? I think <laughs> there was a,
0: a Doom on N64, too, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. right, Doom 64. I mean, it,
0: I feel like the Nintendo 64 was when they really stopped doing any sort of mature games. There might be some on the GameCube that I don't know about or I'm blanking on.
1: Uh, Well, I would uh say the Wii had a couple. Uh, that sword game? Yeah, and there was... What was... Uh, Bayonetta on Wii U.
0: Okay, so they've had a few, but they really—it's
1: more if they could, if they could, uh, you know, stick with this because Nintendo needs to get away from its nostalgia trip. Uh, hell, we're seeing uh, rumors about both a classic N64 and Game Boy uh, for them to resell in the, the coming years. They cannot live on nostalgia no, forever. eventually
0: all of the people that had uh, Nintendo as their childhood will be grown up and done with it, either through becoming just like aging out of it, not caring anymore, or eventually they'll die. And then the next generation, you know, there will be fewer and fewer. I'm sure there will always be people as long as Nintendo is around. It's like, oh, Nintendo was my childhood. But that number seems to be smaller and smaller all the time. I mean, I don't know any kids. And I mean, I work with and see a lot of kids. I don't know any, I
1: don't oh, so you know any know kids. kids
0: that have any Nintendo products in their house, except maybe like a 3DS. I mean.
1: But that's only because uh, Nintendo has the market cornered on mobile gaming. Well, uh, well, I should say mobile gaming, not mobile. Mobile yeah, gaming. You yeah. Know, cell I mean, uh, can you imagine a Nintendo cell phone? That sounds. I happened to, happen to use a Bebo to make uh, a <laughs> Sony. Books. Sony
0: made a cell phone that was also a handheld gaming console. Yeah, and that yeah, made, it, really it did tanked well. hardcore. But like all the kids that I that I know and work with play either Xbox or PlayStation, or they just play Minecraft. I know tons of kids that the only game they play is Minecraft, and they play it on whatever device that they have. Again, anecdotal evidence. I have a small sample size, but. I mean, I've worked with, I don't know, 60 kids in their homes since I started my current job. Not a single one has a Nintendo product.
1: That's kind of a bomb. Yeah, because, I mean, when
0: I was a kid, everybody had an N64. And then the GameCube was a little bit less, but, I mean, everybody had a Wii. I remember most people. I like. I'm just old enough to remember lots of people having Super Nintendos too. So,
1: damn. You I know. Made me I know.
0: Because I, I had my,
1: my. All right, that's it. Get off the fucking uh, porch and get my off my fucking. My dad had an lawn.
0: SNES, so I grew up playing. Like I started playing that, but I mean, I was like, when did the N64 come out? I was like six or seven, I think, when the N64 came out, and that was most of my gaming childhood i'm looking that up right now
1: i'm just wondering if nintendo can turn around at this point because part of the problem that nintendo has is just their supply chains in general parents aren't going to go that nuts trying to find just how rare some of their products are you know we're just now seeing where the Switch is becoming readily in stock, aren't we? Uh, within the last few months. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they were... I mean, you couldn't get one for forever. Even up until, like, July, you couldn't get one. And it's been that way for ages. The Wii U... Uh,
1: the Wii? Granted, the Wii U probably has other issues that needed to deal be dealt with, but that's beside the point. Uh and I really don't think parents are going to go that nuts. And uh, sorry, I thought I, heard, uh, I thought I heard a train. Well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, parents are going to go that crazy trying to find these absolutely insanely rare consoles. And at the same time, they're not going to pay two, three times that price to scalpers that are just going to yeah you know, raise the price so high that you know, it's out, the, out of the price range of these parents for the kids, you know? So, Nintendo is working with an older demographic that I think they really want to admit while still keeping that family-friendly image.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: And in the long run, <sighs> boy, this is going to sound scummy as hell, but you gotta get them when they're young. That's true. And Nintendo is not in, well, like you said, not in the household of all these kids. It's not going to have the memories. So when Nintendo eventually gets around to the classic Switch or whatever they'll call it by then in 20 years when they're re-releasing Switch stuff, uh, it's not going to be as popular because there's not going to be the memories with it.
0: Yep. That is... A thing, get them while they're young. Most most adults have a lot of the same habits and beliefs that they had when they were kids, just because that sort of thing carries over for your, the rest of your life. You make changes and adaptions as you go, but the same basic sort of life rules and memories and things are there, and they guide you for the rest of your days. So yes, the one thing that we thought was going to be nice and fun turned out to be a little bit sad. <laughs>
1: Uh, uh, that Nintendo may be going the way of the Dodo if they don't change their ways. Or at least, uh, I should say at least, the uh, video game side of uh, Nintendo, because Nintendo was into a lot of stuff in the day, so I think if uh, they start seeing their video games go downhill, or, or if they lose too much of a market share, because they are in way behind on third place. They're, what, a uh, a third, a quarter of the sales. Yeah, I think Xbox when we looked
0: sales. last week, or was it two weeks ago, and then we, Switches were at something like nine million units sold, and the Xbox One, was it, was it 30 million? And then the PS4, was it 60 million?
1: Mm-hmm. I think if they uh, go too far downhill, they'll just switch to something else. Sorry, uh... click. <laughs> See, I, I, I made the Switch joke because the <laughs> no, never mind.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, but
1: uh, I don't want Nintendo to go away. I just want them. Well, for one, I want them to diversify, and second, I want them to come to PC because they do have a lot of really good exclusive titles. But the thing is that that's what really drives their console sales. I don't think that they could do what Microsoft is doing and you know, be playing both. Well, Microsoft's
0: probably the only company that's in a position to do that fully because. I mean, there are other operating systems out there, but by far, Microsoft has the lion's share of the PC market. Yeah,
1: yeah, there's other operating systems out there, but if you want a video game,
0: there's one. Yeah, which is Windows. Although, uh, um, Apple's... Linux is getting getting there, there, and so is Apple's operating system. They've gotten probably three quarters to...
1: Yeah, but the problem is that uh, Apple's operating system. You're not buying the operating system. You're That's buying the computer, and most of
0: their computers are shit for gaming.
1: No, no, no. It's stylish. Uh, who says you need things like buttons or you know, switches or
0: gaming processing libraries? power, RAM, graphics cards? You don't need that stuff. You've got a nice aluminum chassis on your your laptop there.
1: That has a three thousand dollar price tag, but
0: the guts are only worth five hundred bucks.
1: Five hundred? Wow, you're <laughs> overstating it.
0: <laughs> wah wah. Okie dokie. Let's move on to our last news topic, which is Electronic Arts closes Dead Space developer Visceral Games.
1: Huh. Uh, you know, ending on a positive note, uh,
0: adding another one to the EA to the the graveyard. body count.
1: Oh. I don't. I should say I don't really have a lot of history with visceral games, but it's disappointing to see another casualty of EA. Because damn, I, I, how many is this a now? Lot. I'm I'm heading over to Wikipedia to get visceral games' uh, uh, game list because I know it's uh, they had a uh, Dead Space, of course, uh, the Dead Space trilogy. Uh they did a, a an expatriate pack for the Sims three. Uh they did my Sims on Wii uh, and uh Microsoft uh Windows. They have a or I should say had a, a very diverse lineup. Uh some sports games. Oh they did the Godfather. Uh the Godfather game on PlayStation Three and Wii and the Simpsons game on the <laughs> consoles.
0: Uh, that was just what? a little bit of a, a cough I suppressed.
1: It, 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 it sounded like you were, yeah, uh, you know, you're, you're like, well, they had this, and
0: <laughs> <laughs> they had, a, they had
1: a couple of things. Yeah, they definitely had a pre- uh, a prodigy and they also were working on a Star Wars project that uh, the Star Wars project that they were working on uh, is being repurposed in the most. B.S. uh, marketing speak I've seen, well, in the last five minutes. Let's see, where was it in this article? For an unnamed Star Wars game, a leaked email indicates that the game's existing assets will be used as a base for whatever incarnation the game will take. And they were wanting it to shift focus. The focus of the game's narrative uh, will be broadened and will allow for a greater degree of player engagement such as a game as a surface title. Oh, that 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 makes me feel all warm and sick inside.
0: That's just the sick bubbling up wow. ready to come out. Wow, the connection just took a shit.
1: Yay. Okay, it's a bit better now. Uh, it, it's 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 reflecting the feelings of this article, I guess.
0: <laughs> yes indeed. Yes, indeed. I mean, I don't have a ton to say. I wasn't the biggest Dead Space fan because I'm not into scary games. games?
1: Yeah, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't really played Dead Space. I have a couple of them. It's just I haven't played them yet. I was thinking maybe it'd be a game club at some point because we do need new spooky games. After oh the god, you're right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, folks. After this year, we're, we're never making another podcast again. I don't want to play. I hate scary <laughs> games.
1: I'm not a big fan of it, but we'll figure out something. Well, we'll there has to be a happy medium between you know boogie 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 and you know uh, psychological horror because uh, the psychological uh, side of things I really like. The only problem is that a lot of horror tends to be gore and jump right. scares, and I don't like those Me either. But we're completely Indeed. off topic.
0: Yeah, I just, I mean, it's it's notable.
1: It sucks to see another uh, company uh, fall. Let, let, hang on. I, uh, I, feel time. I need to find uh, the
0: list of developers EA is killed. Okay. I don't know what to feel time with except by talking because I don't have anything else to say about this topic.
1: Okay, let's see. Well, this isn't a completely up to date. This was, This was in 2015, okay. all right? Let's see. Maxis, which that yeah, one pisses me sad. off. Uh, Mythic, uh, Dark Age of Camelot. Bullfrog. Origin, uh, for Ultima and Wing Commander. Westwood, uh, Command and Conquer. Dreamworks Interactive, Danger c- Close, uh, EA Los Angeles, the Battle of Honor series. Fionic, uh, Spellforce and Battleforge. Black Box Games, a Need for Speed, and Skate. Pandemic, the Saboteur Games, or Saboteur and some others. B- bought by EA in 2008, shut down in 2009, and they had a long run. Playfist, The Sims Social, and Newfix, uh, NBA Street. And this article was in 2015, and they've shut down a couple others as well. Yep. Oh. <laughs> Basically, if you're bought by EA, your days are numbered. Mm hmm just another body on the pile yeah i'm i'm trying to oh 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 oh, oh I, the wikipedia article may uh, be a little bit better let's see uh codiac interactive studios uh american game developer does it, uh, Mon- uh monsters inc uh, some wcw games remember when wcw was a thing <laughs> uh yeah, they, they have such a huge list of dead uh, developers in their wake. It's it's astonishing that people uh, let, them get, uh, let themselves get bought by, by it. But yeah, when you add that many zeros to a uh, uh, paycheck, yep. right? All the zeros. Well, not all of them, because EA has to have a few, but damn. Uh, uh, I love uh, the uh, Tech Raptor article. I didn't scroll down to the... Uh, comments they have uh a list of or they have victims of ea <laughs> uh black box that's one I didn't mention uh arts oh, how could I forget LucasArts
0: by forgetting it
1: oh of course uh, it makes perfect sense oh it's this is depressing uh, indeed move let's along?
0: move along to our community Corner which, I put together that list of community-asked questions, so that will keep Community Corner going for a couple of three more weeks, probably, if no one else.
1: Yeah, before we pull, before we go EA and kill it.
0: <laughs> well, it won't be dead forever, like we said. If someone sends in content, we will, of course, bring it up that week. And sending community questions is yeah, a good I, way I, to do that. You can send them to me on Steam, you can send them to us on Twitter, you can email them. Ask us anything you want.
1: Yeah, that is vglpodcast at gmail.com. Or VGL Podcast on Twitter. I am going over to Twitter right now to make sure that there's nothing new over there. And just to see what mentions we have. I mean, there's, I shouldn't say nothing consequential, but there's, you know, things like Kyle uh, tweeting live from I-75. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that sort of thing. You know, just uh, little things. Right. But just wanted to make sure that there was nothing new. So, uh, what is our question?
0: Yes, so we're going to do two this week. The first question is, what are some other podcasts you listen to, gaming and non-gaming? So we've talked about this a couple of times, and we mentioned Co-Optional and Podquisition and a couple other podcasts on, I guess, a regular basis.
1: Yeah, I don't listen to Podquisition. I do. Maybe I should. I need to go through and clear out some of the stuff, because I I have Boosters and Space Tape
0: still on my podcatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Um but so I mean we both listen to co-optional. I listen to Podquisition. Mm-hmm. What's a couple of the other really common yeah, ones I listen we to- do before we get into our list of others? Oh, well,
1: I listen to I listen to yep, Creating Curveball. We talked Bar. about
0: them multiple times before. Uh I listen to the 1P versus 2P podcast. Kyle sent them a tweet uh, a couple of episodes back.
1: Yeah, I feel bad about our little crossover with that. Uh, his connection was just terrible, so I kept talking over him. Yeah. Yeah, well because there, there, there would be this long silence, and I would start... It's like, oh, well, he finished his point. And I started talking, and... Oh, he was still talking, and it was Maybe dropping his do packets. Maybe
0: we a, a Christmas special with them or something. I don't know. I've been meaning to ask again if they wanted to do another episode. I just haven't. Uh, any other super common ones before we do our, our lists of other ones? Um, uh,
1: I, I, well... Uh, Co optional and Craig crowbar were the two gaming ones I grabbed down in my uh, list. I just, I kind of grabbed my big ones that I listened to and not really uh, go through my entire list.
0: Well, yeah, I wasn't going to go through my entire list because I have 20 something podcasts that I'm subscribed to on Podcast Addict.
1: Well, I would also have to try to figure out, uh, you know, just which ones are still alive because typically I just. Uh, I have it set up. I'll just leave it and download once every three or four weeks. Uh, get a couple days worth of audio and you know, listen to it over the course of you know two or yeah. three weeks. And then rinse and repeat, and I don't really
0: prune out. Yeah, you know, oh, well, this one hasn't updated since
1: 2014. Yeah, see, I do
0: that on a regular basis. And even podcasts that are like dead, if the content is the right kind of content, I'll just listen to the whole thing and then, then remove it. But...
1: Well, some of them... I- only listen to certain episodes like in our time i'll only listen to to it if there's a uh, a subject that interests me and that's kind of rare yeah uh it's a bbc uh podcast and uh, they do a lot of history and a lot of very niche topics and i don't listen to a lot of it but when i
0: do listen to it yeah it's really interesting that's
1: why i keep it around
0: right Okay, so do you want to take turns, or do you want to do your list, and then I'll do my list?
1: Uh, sure, I- well, I'm down to five since we cut out, uh, my two gaming ones I've grabbed.
0: Um.
1: All right, well, uh, listen to the Anime Anonymous podcast. Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, be cool, I do not. Uh, it's a- my primary anime podcast, uh. A lot of the anime podcasts have a lot of bullshit in them, and that's not to say this one doesn't either, but it's the least amount, if that makes any sense. Maybe? Gr- granted, sometimes they- well, let's put it this way. One of their specials, they made muffins on the air. Uh, okay. That's what I'm talking about, and things like that, I skip. Uh, but- the, uh, At the beginning of each anime season, I'll listen to it for uh, ideas of what to go after to uh, watch that season for anime. And they're usually fairly good at uh, picking out what shows are good and what shows aren't, even though sometimes I disagree with them on what I prefer in my shows. But overall, not bad.
0: Okay. Um, One that I just recently started listening to is called Divided States of Women. So this is a podcast that is it's pretty new. They've only got like five or six episodes right now, but they talk about issues in in the world, just like you know, random stuff that we talk about here, like politics and um, various like uh, news topics and things, and just talk about them from the female perspective. And I find that really fascinating. In interesting like I consider myself to be more knowledgeable or like more in tune than the average man with the female perspective as a combination of what I do and also like my education that I had to to go through to be able to do what I do but I'm obviously don't have the perspective of even like the average woman and these are like two very different women one of them is uh, a black lady and the other one is a white lady and they have different education levels and different political views and they get into some really interesting discussions. I don't always agree with everything that they say, but it's just a, a nice different perspective on what's going on in the world. Um because I, you know, I tend to think of things from one sometimes two ways, but it's just a completely different shift and and a different examination of issues that to me sometimes are very cut and dry. It's like, "Oh, hey, this is completely different for women. Like, obviously it would be, but you just don't think about it. So it was. It, it's like a combination of like a perspective shift and challenge for me, and then also like trying to challenge some of my preconceived notions so that I can just be a better person.
1: All right. Well, I guess that means I'm up next. Uh, I noticed that all my other ones are at least somewhat story-related, so <laughs> that's probably a little bit my uh, leaning is various short stories or various uh non-fiction stories even though one of these is not that uh next up is escape pod this is short stories uh, of the science fiction variety well usually uh, sometimes uh they kind of lean into this uh soft fantasy you know uh sort of star wars-ish you know uh, space with magic right. that sort of thing uh usually pretty short stories uh uh completely episodic you know you could dive in and uh, listen to a uh, uh, story and you know, be done with it and not have to worry about missing too much they do occasionally have uh, themes going on for a series of weeks and that sort of thing but it's not that often and i, I struggle to even think of the last time that they did an episode or, or yeah, a multi-part story so yeah it's something that you don't have to worry about too much uh, they sometimes have audio issues where there's someone that's reading the story that just doesn't emote or has a very bad mic. And that's usually a one-off and they'll get rid of that uh, that narrator pretty quickly. It's just, sometimes you just get a bad episode though. And sometimes the stories just don't click. But that's the problem of having these episodic stories. Just Sometimes they just don't work out for
0: right. you. Uh, okay, my next one is called "There and Back Again." It is a podcast that is going through the entire Lord of the Rings. Everything he's going through all the books and all the movies, and then talking about various adaptations of it, like the the radio um, versions that exist from like old, like the old BBC radio uh, read that they did. And answer question.
1: Uh, does this include Larry Nimoy's uh, song?
0: Uh, he's mentioned it. Um, he's he's gonna do like at the very end, like sort of a catch all of the weird of the weird of, <laughs> like the wacky stuff.
1: Oh, uh, because believe me, that that is weird. That that's basically sixties. Um, film trip.
0: this this podcast has been going on for like nine or ten months so far and he just like the most recent episode just finished off the fellowship of the ring so he's done the hobbit and he's done the fellowship of the ring and he's done a couple of like q a episodes um and so it's a very in-depth analysis uh and not not exactly review but just analysis and um on many different levels so this guy is a like he writes stories for a living and is an English professor. So it's a combination of, like, just going through the material and examining it from uh, both, like, an English, like, a grammatical, like, okay, here's what this word actually says and means, and, you know, we kind of take it to mean this way in modern times, so when it was written, it actually probably meant this. And then also it's going through and examining the story beats and the elements and themes and things like that. It's fascinating. Plus, he's got... um. He's British. Uh, he's got a very light British accent. He's lived in the States for like 25 years, 20 or 25 years, but it's just enough. And and he also, whenever he reads bits, he does voices for all the characters. It's great.
1: It's just it's just enough to give him that right. bit of
0: authority. It's it's lovely. Um, And his, his name is Alistair Stevens. He's going to be coming up in several of the other podcasts I talk about because there's an umbrella that he operates under called uh, Common Room Radio and they have six or seven mm-hmm. podcasts that i adore and some of them are like finished podcasts that i'm not going to talk about cuz obviously i'm not listening to them but this is one of their ongoing podcasts so i'm very much looking forward to the episode when the next episode that comes out on sunday all right well
1: uh, how about i talk about the uh, same podcast once again only this time fantasy okay <laughs> Because the other uh, side of, pod, of uh, Escape Pod is PodCastle. Essentially the same idea as Escape Pod. I think Escape Pod was first. Only uh, more fantasy oriented. Usually not high fantasy though. Uh, just a more lighter side of the fantasy genre. They do occasionally get into the high fantasy. But typically whenever you get into high <laughs> fantasy it's longer form stories. And that's not what this is. This is usually in the ballpark of 30 minutes. So not terribly long stories, at least for audio. And I have not really a lot more to say because, yeah, this is the same thing all over again. But I wanted to give both Escape Pod and Podcast all kind of their props because they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Uh, there is a little bit of crossover between sci-fi and fantasy, especially these days with Star Wars being such a right. big thing. Because Star Wars is kind of that mixing of the two, and yeah, it's uh, something to really check out if you're more of a fantasy fan uh, than sci-fi. I'm just a weirdo that listens right. to both.
0: I mean, I like s- fantasy and sci-fi as well. I mean,
1: uh, well, well, they also have a third one that I don't listen to, or that I don't think you would listen like either.
0: Pseudopod Oh yeah, no, fuck no. I'm out <laughs> on that one.
1: Great, I never really listened to it, but it could be more the psychological side of things, but...
0: No, thanks. Right.
1: But, it, yeah, they have the three major flavors of uh, uh, fiction there.
0: Right. Okay, well, the next one on my list is Excelsior. Excelsior is under that common room radio umbrella, and they go through comic book stuff. Um, They don't just do, like, specifically comic books or comic book movies or whatever, but they do kind of everything comic-related movies, games. Um, they've done one novel so far, like an actual novel that was based on or written by someone in the comic book industry. Um, and they don't just also do, like, Marvel and DC. They've done a couple of smaller comic book series, and they've talked about, like, where they want to go in the future and do other other series and things. But it's the same sort of thing. Like, they go through, and they give a beat-by-beat beat of whatever the, the thing is that they're doing. Um, and then they analyze it critically, and um, you know, find themes, and, and all, just that same stuff. And they do it for movies as well, and they'll talk about shot composition in movies. Um, it's great. I love. I mean, I love that sort of thing. I think that we're finding two very common themes. You're all about story stuff, and I'm all about critical analysis and learning.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure uh, if that uh, bodes well for me,
0: just, you know, all the random stories I listen to. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's good. Uh, This month, they're doing Bat Month for October. So everything that they've done this month so far has been about Batman. They did the Lego Batman movie. They did a Batman comic series that I'm not familiar with. And then they did the most recent episode was, what was the, the Batman movie that had, oh, fuck, I'm blanking. It wasn't, was it Batman Forever or Batman Begins? The first one that came out in the 80s. Uh the first one that came out in the eighties.
1: there was was the Alan was the Adam West one. No, in the that one was in the sixties. Uh for some reason I was thinking it was a huh. lot later. I'm just
0: that. I'm not a big Batman guy, so I don't think it was Batman Forever.
1: Uh no, maybe it was just Batman.
0: The Tim Burton Batman? Batman movies. It was. Yep, it wa it was just Batman. Well, that shows that I at least know right. Batman You're somewhat. Right. It's the Tim Burton <laughs> film that had Michael Keaton in it. Oh, That's it. Good job. You know <laughs> more about Batman than I do.
1: Because I am the knight.
0: All right. So what's your next one?
1: <laughs> uh, this one is one I know I've mentioned before. The great detectives of all yep. time. Yeah, you have. Uh, this is a essentially a rebroadcast of a lot of the Old golden age of radio uh, detective stories uh, with uh, the different days of the week uh, featuring different series. So uh, going through the week, you'll have uh, I, I, the old dragnets uh, are like Friday. Uh, I'm trying to think of which day is which because I just batch download them. What I really like about this, though, is that the host, uh, Adam Graham, and I had to go look at, uh, for his name again because after a while you just kind of tune out the uh, name of the host it's like oh it's him uh he does a lot of uh, kind of analysis and a uh, little bits of uh trivia about the times yeah you know, talking just a uh, little bit of inside baseball about how uh when uh the one of the uh series just went from a uh run and New York to uh, run in uh, Los Angeles, and they were talking about how that enables them to have uh, better quality voice actors, because at the time, uh, Los Angeles had a lot of better talent than New York, and was highlighting some of the the actors that were taking part in this series that appeared in other series uh, in the past. And it was just an interesting little tidbit that I didn't really uh, think about it. Until he brought it up, it's like, oh yeah, that voice was familiar. And there's uh, a lot of different uh, series, and as he uh, runs through one, he'll replace it with others. Right now, he has Dragnet going. He has uh, Boston Blackie, which was a uh, a criminal that uh, basically reformed and uh, uh, was working kind of with the law, sort of. Uh, Johnny Dollar, which is an insurance investigator, which is one of the more longer-running uh, detective stories. And some others. Uh, uh, some other short stories, and he occasionally does uh short uh, specials and also broadcast uh, uh, the Creative Commons uh, TV shows. Uh, especially uh, lately, it's been Dragged in, I believe, because that's kind of gone into the public domain recently. Overall, pretty good, though, if you're... Uh, interesting detective stories kind of cheesy mostly because of just the age of things and usually these shows are uh the actual content is in the order of 20-25 minutes so very condensed stories usually there's not a lot of carryover between the various stories so once again a very episodic that is not always the case, particularly uh, with Johnny Dollar that has a cast of characters that constantly shows up. But that was also kind of a rarity for the day. Not a lot of continuity (laughs) back in the day. But then again, there wasn't the internet.
0: And also stories were told differently back then, too.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting just to hear how simplified things are. How many...
0: Yeah. How many more do you have? Was that your last one? Uh, I had one more beyond this. Um, I have... Many more, but I'm not going to go on forever. Any afterwards, I was just trying to decide which ones to pick.
1: Well, I just, well, I just grab, I just grab the ones I listen okay. to most, and I know most of these I've talked about before. But so yeah.
0: the next one on my list is IRL, and it's a podcast that takes a look at, um, this odd distinction we make between things on the internet not being our real life, and it it examines like different concepts and things that people consider like, oh yeah, no, that's online. That doesn't affect me in my real life and how actually it does affect you. And it's a, it's got a little bit of psychology. It's got a little bit of an education piece. It's got a little bit of a, an examination of current events. Like um, they did one about data mining and how marketers are using the internet to more directly target consumers and how that actually can affect you in ways that you don't realize with how much data they're able to get and what they can do with it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of amazing just the amount of data that is available out there. There Wasn't there a story a year or two ago about a girl yep, it was who, Target.
0: They figured uh, out she was yeah, pregnant yeah, and Target. sent pregnancy stuff to her family, and she hadn't told her parents yet, and her daddy got all mad and like wrote a big letter and everything, and they were about to apologize, and she was like, actually, I am pregnant. <laughs>
1: Did they ever say exactly how they figured yeah,
0: it out? Yeah, I don't remember exactly. It had to do with, like, the amount of, like, the type of products that she bought, and she bought enough that correlated with, like, this person has a high likelihood of being pregnant. And so they just, like, sent her a flyer with pregnancy, you know, related coupons and things in it. Just yeah. insane, huh? So, yeah, they, I mean, this is just, like, an educational type podcast.
1: All right. Well, my last one. Uh, guess what? It's another story <laughs> podcast. Uh, but this one's nonfiction. This is called The Truth. Okay. Okay. Uh, this has a lot of uh, various storytellers that are uh share their life experience it, it's really a kind of a, a grab bag of well of various stories and various yeah you know, things that happen okay uh not uh not uh, not a lot once again to say about it. It's just, uh, and well, the tr- there's, uh, two, uh, podcasts that are very similar. The truth and the Moth. The Moth is all nonfiction. But the truth occasionally is uh, a mixture. So it's one of those things that uh, I kind of got my podcast mixed up there, but, oh, uh, I, I need, probably need to cut back on the story <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
0: hey, if that's what you like, that's what you like.
1: Okay. Yeah, but which is uh, this is also the reason why one of the other viewer questions uh, couldn't really answer that well because all my uh, reading is uh, audio,
0: <laughs> right? My mine too, for the most part. Yeah, maybe not so much here lately in the last few months, but
1: yeah, yeah. The truth is more period. Uh, I'll, I'll give highlights on both of these. The, the truth is uh, a more periodic, uh, longer form stories. Uh, with a, uh, once again, an episodic uh, focus, uh, the moth is nonfiction storytellers uh, uh, at various events, uh, share their life experience. And it could range from just very sad, uh, depressing stories to very upbeat and everything in between. Right. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I got kind of, uh, got kind of mixed up there. I thought I grabbed one, but I grabbed That's the other.
0: That's fine. Um... I've got two more that I want to highlight. Uh, I have. I'm currently subscribed right. to 26 podcasts, so I'm just gonna pick two more that are like up there on the top of my list. Like all the ones that I've listed, every time they have a new episode that comes out, it it shoots to the top of my my queue. Or you know,
1: yeah. The problem is that I have a a, a lot of uh, dead feeds, so I have to sort through mine. And also, the ones that I do listen to like the the
0: co-optional that's as long as we right. are um so the next one that i want to highlight is uh the sincast podcast which is done by the cinema sense guys um so mm-hmm. this the sincast gets a lot more in-depth about movies the they're everything wrong with videos are somewhat critical but a lot of that stuff is for comedy but on the sincast they will go through and really analyze movies and directors and writers and film styles like these dudes know a lot about film um recently they had a like a ranking where that they went through and like they didn't really rank but they like compared movies and came up with what they thought was like the list of best movies of all time and it took them like 3 months to do because they spent so much time like analyzing these movies I've learned a lot about film and film history from listening to this podcast. Uh, but it's also pretty funny, too. I mean, they are genuinely funny guys, so their personalities shine through as well. So you're learning and having a good time doing it. Currently, right now, they're um, doing this thing they're calling the Mount Rushmores. And they're picking, like, the who they think are the best whoever's from a bunch of different categories. And so far, they've done directors and actors and writers and composers. Um, and they plan on doing like actresses and then like movie stars, like kind of your big figureheads, not necessarily people who are great actors, but become, have become super famous, uh, for a couple. So a lot of movie history and knowledge in there on top of things like reviews of current movies and a bit of humor from their personalities. So it's, it's good. I really enjoy it. Um, And then the other one that I want to point out that is a complete departure from everything that I've talked about, but shows like I also listen to things that are fun and not just educational, is a Disney Villain Deathmatch, which is uh, under, again, the Common Room Radio head. And they they did one for called Disney Princess Deathmatch, too, but that podcast is done. Uh, And what they do is every week they take two Disney villains and they enter a ring and one disney villain leaves and they talk about a bunch of different criteria for what makes a disney villain um, a disney villain and why they would win and it's not just a straight up power thing because obviously there's a couple of disney villains like jafar that at one point he just becomes like god whenever he gets the genie power and also
1: yeah and everybody's yeah, space.
0: and then ursula has like you know ocean magic and is evil and you know there's a few other things and they try to not
1: Wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait! She was evil. Yeah.
0: Surprise, surprise! She was evil. Um, you mean She had that badass song. Yeah, and was evil. Uh, but they try to to find other categories to also rank them in to give some of the like just objectively weaker Disney villains uh, a chance. So it's it's pretty good. Um, they're in the last, I think, two episodes. Uh, and they've. They've done some pretty interesting ones. I was really sad that Syndrome didn't make it farther, but he fought Jafar and they're like, I mean, basically these guys are terrible and we have to decide this on power rating. And it comes down to like magic versus technology and as far as we know, uh Jafar has infinite power and Syndrome doesn't. And I was
1: besides all you had to do
0: is get a monologuing. <laughs> but it's it's a really fun podcast um they bring on guests every now and then although it's all people from like their umbrella so if you're not familiar with their other works you wouldn't know who these guests are but i am so i appreciate it
1: yeah i'm sorry but uh this entire time i'm uh listening uh, i'm thinking of poor unfortunate souls the heavy metal cover of it and i just Thanks. linked it to you so I was, go ahead listen to, to that
0: now or do i listen to it later uh, your choice. I'll listen to it later. Um. In other words, you won't. I will. I opened it, and then I paused it. I'll listen to it later. So, yeah. Those are the my top several podcasts right now. But, I mean, I've got a bunch of others on here.
1: Well, I've been, uh, pruning as well. I realize I didn't really sell mine all that well, but most of mine are story-driven and it's really, if you're into that sort of thing, you know, it's great for you. Otherwise... I mean, you eh. sold me on
0: Anime Addicts, Anonymous. I'd subscribe to that. I mean, granted,
1: sometimes they, you know, have their weird uh, weirdness, but overall, it's yeah. pretty good.
0: I've never found an anime podcast that I like because but there's the- too much bullshit even for me in most of them. But if you like it, then that must no, mean it's not all bullshit.
1: Th- yeah, that's... <laughs> well, that, that's, that's high praise. Well, if you like it... <laughs> Well, I've successfully cut about a dozen shows off my uh, list, which is also when it
0: comes to podcasts. I've tried a bunch of different psychology podcasts, but I can't stand listening to psychology podcasts. I mean, (laughs) there's there's like nothing wrong with any of the shows I've ever listened to. It's just like one of those things. It's like, well, fuck.
1: Well, how about how about I give you one bonus one since I did all story podcasts, or except for anime podcasts, okay. Uh, James, o- James O'Brien's Mystery
0: Hour. Okay.
1: This is a podcast from a, a British uh, uh, well, broadcaster, it's not the BBC though, uh, uh, of one of the radio programs where it's a call-in show where people ask questions and get answers. They call in with uh, something that's been bugging them about uh, their life, and then other people have to call in and answer that. Okay. Uh, some, uh, sometimes it a, gets a little strange, and there's uh, rules. For one, you have to have a personal knowledge of this. You can't look it up. Which means that you get some people that are very specialized call, calling in for rather mundane stuff. And they actually have several professors that call in from various uh, uh, universities near there to answer some Uh, Stuff about uh, evolution or space or that sort of thing. But then uh, they have uh, weird things like uh, the highlight uh, question for one of the episodes I'm looking at on my list is how did the Chinese run a library? (laughs) Okay. uh, As in the Chinese uh, uh, language, it's a completely different system than ours. So how does their uh, uh, libraries.
0: What is the show called again?
1: Uh, mystery hour. Mystery hour. Uh, uh, James O'Brown's mystery hour is the uh, uh, listing I have on uh, G Potter. Or let's see, how thick does a, a plane of glass have to be before you cannot see through it? Okay. Yeah, some odd questions, but once you start thinking about it, it's, huh?
0: All right. There's two different feeds here or, that Podcast Advocate is bringing up.
1: Yeah, you know, the one i have actually has it updated in a couple weeks they may have a week off though i'll have to look to see if uh, they've uh, uh changed feeds on me uh i could just uh hang on podcast settings i'll just send you my link i see i can find it on here uh, it's run from okay, LBC, that one's on though. here
0: i just subscribed to that one
1: all right yeah it's a, it's a weird show but it's one of those ones that you listen
0: to once and either you absolutely hate it or absolutely love it. And there's going to be, this sounds really interesting. I'm going to check it out. Hopefully I like it. I need, I need (laughs) a good backlog podcast. I've gotten through all of my backlog podcasts that I still care about. Um, and I'm now a hundred percent caught up and I have like, well, I mean, I have 26 podcasts that are going right now. So they, I get through 26 episodes of a week. And that's including, like, co-optional. That's how much time I spend driving.
1: Yeah, this one uh, only updates weekly. It hasn't updated in a while, but like I said, they may be having some weeks off. I hope it hasn't ended, because that would be sad. I used to listen to Car Talk on podcast when that was still
0: running. I did, too. Many, Many years ago. All right.
1: Yeah, it's kind of uh, harsh in hindsight. You know, it turns out there was a good reason why you couldn't remember yeah. the
0: puzzler. And we're sad again.
1: Yep. Uh, it looks like my feed may be... Uh, they may have changed the feeds because I'm, I am went to a different site and it's showing there's one from last week. So yeah, I'm going to have to change my feeds on that. But remind okay. me later.
0: Alright, so... You ready to do our second question?
1: Uh do we want to at how, this point? how long have
0: we been recording? We're at the oh, three shoot. hour mark.
1: No, That's let's save asking. that one. I'm I'm look I'm looking at my timer. Uh two fifty dawn twenty. Now let's
0: save that one. Oh, I didn't even realize what time it was. It's one twenty. Or one eighteen if you want to be technical.
1: Which is uh yeah, the best kind of correct. Oh wait.
0: Yep. Okay. Well, let's move on from this then to you said we didn't have any tweets really, like a couple of small things. No. Um. Discovery queue.
1: I think. Okay. So,
0: go for the theme song. And also, I should probably pull up my discovery queue.
1: Yeah, that probably would make things a little bit easier. And I got something that looks interesting right off the bat. This looks like a kind of a turn-based... Well, turn-based Total War game. Uh, uh, Set in uh, Roman times. Okay. And there you go. There's the link, Field of Glory 2. I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, this looks so... uh, 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 Roman uh, Total War, then I saw it was uh, turn-based, which is not a bad thing. It definitely doesn't have uh, the... Graphical fidelity of Total War, but that's not a downside. It looks sort of a cross between the uh, Civ so- tower units, really. You know that that rather simplified style. Yeah. Looks like it's rated
0: fairly positively, though. Yeah. Looks all right. Doesn't look too bad. I also. I never heard of this Me neither, game, but apparently there was a Field of Glory one, so that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also got one right off the bat. Tales from Candlekeep, Tomb of Annihilation. This is a turn-based, uh, strategy game that is fantasy style, I, or fantasy themed, um, mm-hmm. it just, it looks good. I like turn-based stuff. I, hopefully, yeah, I actually have this on my wishlist. Well, now it's on my wishlist, along with 8 million other games. Yeah, that you'll never But, plan. I mean, I'm always in the, in the mood for a good turn-based game, and... You know, fantasy's like my second favorite thing after sci-fi, so. Oh, it looks like it's uh, a, based on a board game. It's based on the Dungeons & Dragons Adventure System board game. Interesting. I wonder if they just mean like Dungeons & Dragons, or is that a specific type of d and I guess it doesn't really matter. Looks good. I'm in. What? It's not very expensive either. I might just buy it. I'll think about that.
1: Well, they successfully lost me in the second sentence of this. It looks like it's some sort of a mech racing game. Okay. But it's a port of a smartphone app. Nope. I mean, uh, mobile apps aren't bad of themselves, but it doesn't look that interesting. What is What is what? Got a pinball game, but it looks like it's a single table for just under 20 bucks. Nope.
0: I'm getting a lot of crap. Welcome to, to my life most of the time. Yeah, but see, you brought it on yourself.
1: You put the entire Steam uh, library on your wishlist. So it doesn't show up anymore.
0: Alright, I'm... This doesn't look good. I'm not going to put it on the list. But... Are these top-down space trading games like having this massive resurgence? Because this is another one. It's called uh, Flat. Flat. Is
1: it, I, I was about I was about to ask if uh, if it was this particular one because I'm looking at one right now. But yeah, no, this is Flat different.
0: Space Two K. It doesn't look good. I'm not gonna put it on the list, but it's like I've seen a bunch of these here lately, and I feel like that there used to not be any. I don't know.
1: Okay, okay. I got one. A, 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 a computer Tycoon no idea if this is going to be any good, but I have a bit of a soft spot for the tycoon-style games. And this looks like it's actually a tycoon-style game. And not just, you know, tycoon and it's uh, RNG bullshit. Yeah. And that's kind of of the trap that a lot of tycoon games have, is that you run, like, a, a game dev sim, you know, where Uh, It gives no information whatsoever. Created this is early access, so yeah, that is something to be careful about. And there are people saying that's very confusing. Yeah,
0: I've seen this on uh, Keymailer. i requested a key for it, but I haven't gotten Uh, one.
1: I got denied.
0: I might have been denied. I haven't checked that.
1: I thought this came up last time. Did it? No, 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 no. I got tracks. The train set game. I thought I've seen this on a queue before.
0: I've definitely seen it on my queue before, and then I bought it. Um, Alright, so my next, or the next one I got is Doki Doki Literature Club. That's supposed to be really weird.
1: That's a free-to-play uh, Yes, it is, novel. and
0: I'm downloading it right now to play later. That's supposed to be very weird,
1: uh, but one of those that you're supposed to go into blast. Sounds good. So. I can do that. Well, I'm done with my queue. I only have two things.
0: Um, I have two games left in my queue. But two is enough. I have two a lot of times. Here's another top-down space game. It does. It also doesn't look good. In fact, it looks worse than the other one, which didn't look good. Not interested.
1: Well, while you do that, I guess I'll go see if I can find uh, the uh, updated Mystery Hour... Oh, I'm done RSS that.
0: Feed. That my last game was shit too. <laughs> so I have two, and you have two. That's some nice symmetry. Yeah, it
1: looks like they changed feeds. Uh, uh, here's the question for uh, uh, last week: What what came first, the color orange or the fruit?
0: <laughs> you know, I've wondered that myself sometimes. Well, now you can find out the answer potentially. Indeed, indeed. Okay. Well, with Discovery Hugh out of the way, we'll move on to the part of the podcast where I go first and tell you about my stuff. If you want to find that stuff, it's over on YouTube. You can search for Gaming Psychologist. And this week is a massive amount of uploading scheduled things. So I got all of the most recent streams downloaded from Twitch and edited them and put them in my... Well, I didn't really edit them. I just like cut off a little bit at the front and the end to make it pick up at a place that makes sense. Uh, as opposed to just like jumping into the middle of a random conversation whenever the stream actually decides to start to start, and then I put my little gaming psychologist front and end card on it, and those are all scheduled, and all of the divinity episodes are scheduled up through sixty one. Uh, I was at like fifty something last time, so i'll be I'll be all caught up by next week, and then I can start getting behind again. uh I recorded. Well, that,
1: well, you are assuming that we're going to continue recording. What? Because we seem to. Well, we seem to always. Yeah, you know, we get going, and then something happens. <laughs> yeah. life, life finds <laughs> a way.
0: Yeah, life finds a way. Um, and then I've got the next episode of XCOM uploaded and scheduled, so you guys will be happy to continue that. That series is getting double digit views. I mean, not like super high. I'm not like. In the 20s or 30s, but all of those episodes except one have got in the teens views. So, thank you all of the listeners who watch that, and then maybe some random internet people who might never hear this. But thank you very much for watching it. I'm glad you like this series. I love random, <laughs> I love internet, random people. internet people. Hello, uh, random internet people. And that's... I love Word from that's the Internet. coming on my YouTube channel. Also, And then if you want to find me in other places, you can do so on Twitter over at JMA4707. Uh, I got a little busy, haven't been doing as much tweeting the last few days, but that'll resume. Uh, it's alright, I'll, I'll, <laughs> uh, get you going.
1: Trump. Trump.
0: That'll, th- that'll resume soon.
1: Uh, did, did, did you know, uh, Trump is the only president to ever talk to Gold Star families? He's on- the only one that's ever called
0: them? Yes. Yes. <laughs> let's not, let's not go there. Um... If you want to find me also (laughs) in other places like streaming games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707.
1: I could hear the frustration.
0: I I started stroking my hair.
1: (laughs) It sounded like you were having a stroke.
0: (laughs) And then if you want to be my friend on Steam, I accept all friend requests on Steam. My username is jarthur4707. Send me a a question. We'll put it on the list and we'll get to it. Or just talk to me about whatever you want. Even if you just need a place to vent. Wait, you're you're laying other people thin on it you? It happens, whether I want to or not. I just might as well accept it.
1: Well, if you wish to let them know exactly what the episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Kukri. Kukri. In honor of Team Fortress 2 updating. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. What about you? Plus, it's also a fun It word. is. Where can they find you, and what will you be doing? Uh, well, that... Is
1: an interesting topic. I'm over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage where, at least in theory, I should have a lot of videos. The thing is that my channel got hit with the demonetization thing going around. And it got hit with Dark Cloud. And I have no idea why Dark Cloud. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out what I should do about this because... If you continue uploading, it has a chance of flagging your channel to flag everything you upload. And I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not really into YouTube for the money. Uh, Some extra money? Yes, that's fine. But there's the rumor going around, and granted this has never been substantiated, that the demonetization flag also makes it so that you're not really put forward a lot of SEO. And it's making me think, huh, should I just delete all of Dark Cloud and start over with the A block with something completely different? Which makes me sad because, okay, I wasn't getting a lot of views, actually, on the last couple episodes, any views on Dark Cloud. But, yeah, it was something different. It was something that I didn't have to put a bunch of money into uh, microtransactions to get the, the complete experience. Well, it turns out there's a new experience for me with it, which is depressing, but that's the way YouTube goes nowadays, it seems. So I may be killing off dark cloud. Uh, matter of fact, i probably am because I don't want to risk it. And I can't even say that it's my, th- or my tags or my, uh, or even the title of my episodes because I have episodes flagged right now. That are literally untagged and just by internal file name for that episode. And that's it on it. So it's the file itself. Something is going on there. And there is no feedback on this. There is no court of appeals because in order to even appeal this to say, hey, there's something wrong here. You have to get a thousand views in seven days. And guess what? My channel doesn't pull that. So, yeah, I'm a. A tad bit frustrated with this situation. If you haven't been able to tell.
0: We can tell. But it's understandable. And uh, RimWorld is
1: also having issues of a different sort. Something in my mod set has bugged my save file. It's not unrecoverable, but it's going to be a pain in the ass. I talked about before about my cleaner bots having issues. Well, it turns out that the ship parts that occasionally crash and are one of the major events also are bugged to the point that they will not take damage I could get around this with the dev console but it is going to be an irritant so I need to well just really deal with it because I don't want to end RimWorld I enjoy RimWorld I enjoy playing RimWorld But uh, lately, RimWorld has been a bit of a slog because I've had to deal with just weird things going on with this mod set. And I'm not 100% certain which mod it's causing. uh, It's causing this issue. But uh, that's the problem with uh, playing heavily mod games, especially heavily mod games that get, you know, 30, 40 hours of game time is that odd things happen way late. And it's impossible to playtest them to this extent. Right, you know, yeah. Uh, at least for now, Divinity's, uh going on nice and strong. We killed the troll king. That was a fun experience, yeah. huh? Yeah, it was.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: we killed all the trolls except
0: for Archibald.
1: Oh, that's next oh, episode. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah, dude, spoilers. At least they make you run, uh, go, uh, go faster, you oh. know give proper downforce.
0: <laughs> Technically spoilers make you go slower.
1: Yeah, but they allow you to They give you, you go more faster. traction,
0: so as long as you're not just driving in a straight line, you can go faster.
1: Yeah, but remember, if you're uh, go far enough left, you're turning Absolutely. right. Absolutely. <laughs> How many more uh Disney uh references can we get into this? 7. Oh. Uh, all the dwarves then.
0: And I think the the actual reference you're looking for, the actual quote is, if you find yourself turning hard enough to the left, you'll be going right. That's from Cars. I've seen that movie like a million times, because I have a (laughs) (laughs) three-year-old.
1: Yeah, but then again, Cars is, uh, it's not a bad movie. I actually really like it, but it's become a marketing powerhouse to the point that they kind of uh, neglected what the movie was really about. Also known as being destiny, yep. right? Oh, well, we're completely off topic. <laughs> what else is new? And if we didn't have if we didn't have the loot box trifecta, you know, uh, I think that would be the title of the episode. Completely off topic. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have. Uh, Devandy going on the Sunday sampler should still be going strong, but yeah, we are coming up to uh Halloween, so that's always kind of a slow period before the rush for Christmas because Christmas uh, jumps right over Thanksgiving now and hell is jumping over Halloween.
0: Not in my house, uh, not in my house. <laughs> my kid is more excited about uh, Halloween this year than he is Christmas. Well is three so and candy. also dressing up we dress up for halloween we don't dress up for christmas
1: yet uh let's see all that all that completely and utter nonsense uh, well except for the unrelated bits is over at gaming with caffeine rage and if you were to see me tweet about who knows what you can uh, find me tweeting at gaming with cr on the twitter i haven't been tweeting that much lately either I think I need someone to tweet at. Hmm. Who could be a good victim that is currently listening?
0: Hmm. Me. Me. What? Or Kyle. Tweet at Kyle. Yeah,
1: but, uh, you know, you get Kyle going and he doesn't <laughs> shut up. Actually, I was tweeting at Kyle earlier. Hey, uh, a snack food uh, I saw Star that. Wars. I
0: liked that. Or I liked some of it. There were uh. multiple...
2: <laughs> Multiple, Multiple things, things.
1: Uh, all sorts of weirdness. Uh, well, uh, speaking of all sorts of weirdness, you can send us all sorts of weirdness at our email Podcast at dot com, or you just tweet us your strangeness at bglpodcast on Twitter. If you want us to help to pay for our sweet, uh, our strangeness, but definitely not our sweetness because you know Jared's here. Okay, you're completely Boink. ignoring that one. <laughs> Uh, you can uh, do so patreon.com slash vglpodcast our show notes is vglpodcast.podbean.com or you can find us over on iTunes or Google Play our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLoyd, and our Discovery cue music is doobly-doo by the same artist you can find his work at incomputech.com as always as
0: his lovely music starts to roll across my voice Bye bye now
1: your voice was a little cracked. Yes, later. but
0: not as bad as it was last week.
1: Bye bye. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but that's not our lady bye. for this week. Bye now.
0: Bye to to bye. I do need to go to bed. <laughs>